you see probably the most disturbing childbirth scene that happens <laughs> seconds after a really bizarre sex scene. <laughs> and it is uh, – there are body fluids flying in many different directions while this is going on. This, this is a – this is somebody's horrible nightmare. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that someone listening to this episode just like fast-forwarded to that particular part where you're saying all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 379. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that it's only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five, four, three, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're we're the Leftovers. And we're back, Jake. We are back. I could tell just by the excitement in your head that we were back. Dude, no, there's no excitement. Here's the thing. Um, you, you ever, like, it's like everybody's like, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that week off and you come back refreshed and shit. Um, not, not the case, uh, at all. Uh, oh man, I could go for a nap. Um, I, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, one week off is just like eating one cookie. You know what I mean? You know, you fuck it. You you go onto the the Bozo Game Show, Jake, the Bozo Show, and you win uh, a package of Archway cookies on the Bozo <laughs> Show, <laughs> and you only eat one of said Archway cookies. It, it's impossible. You've you've got to eat that second Archway cookie. They're just so goddamn good. And and I feel like, man, Jake, I had one week off. It was one cookie. I could go for more cookies. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. It was nice watching a lot of shit and just hanging out and hanging out. Yeah, with hanging out. It was out. a good time. It was nice. It was nice. You do it all the time. Shut the fuck up, sir. You you take <laughs> you take more weeks off than Ed McMahon. Did he take a lot of time off? 
No, it's true. It's true. But normally when I take a week off, it's not to just be a lazy bum. That's I, true. I usually have something else on the table. Where yeah. this time it was just like I had no plans. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to enjoy it as well. Yeah, it was fun. Give me that second Archway cookie, though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> What's your favorite Archway cookie? They make this one. It's like an oatmeal cookie. And inside it's got like this raspberry kind of jam. It's not a jelly. It's a jam. They're like, fuck that jelly bullshit. We're going full jam on this, man. And <laughs> and it's good. It's my favorite. Like, sometimes I eat it differently. Sometimes I eat all around the oatmeal on the outside. And then and then I just savor the jam at the end. And sometimes I just go straight for the jam. It's like eating a vagina, Jake. It's seriously. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, you can mix it up, you know. I <laughs> Sometimes I flick it with my tongue. Sometimes it's got a headache and it doesn't want me to do anything. Oh, that <laughs> I was going to say, except there's no way the cookie prefers, but apparently the cookie does prefer in a certain yeah. way. Yeah, it does. It does. We are not alone, Jake. We are not <laughs> alone. Uh, we are joined by uh, one Mr. Handy Craig. Welcome, Handy Craig. I'm, I'm imagining you like real all sweaty with your face covered in jelly, and it's really disturbing. It's not jelly; it's jam, sir. Oh, I'm so, oh, pardon <laughs> me. Already, <laughs> I don't want to get the correction Tuesday for Archway Cookies. <laughs> Apologies. I don't want to. I don't want to undermine their brand. At least yeah. it's not preserves. It's oh yeah. God, don't even get me started on that. Oh man. Uh welcome, Greg. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. I am recovering from a really bizarre and anticipated injury yesterday that occurred. Oh, I'm scared. What'd you do? What'd you do? So my wife and I, a few months ago, our our dog Jeter passed away. Very sweet dog. Uh You know, he was 13 years old. We loved him so much. What kind of dog? And when we've been rescuing dog, we rescue dogs, right? So we rescued this adorable little Chihuahua. Her name is Izzy. And I'm laying on my back, and whenever I lay down, she plops She plops right on kind of like my belly and will sit there. So she's laying on my belly, and she's chewing a bone, and I'm wearing basketball shorts. She misses the bone and bites my dick as hard as she possibly can. And I'm not exaggerating, bleeding profusely. Like, like <laughs> I, I was bleeding like I have never bled before. It was super, super painful. And I think so women do this once a month, Greg. Yeah, no, no. This is not the same kind of thing. Oh. Very, very painful. <laughs> Jake, is, <laughs> Jake is just like my, my co-host is a moron. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think that at all. I liked how Greg no-selled what the women go through. He's like, no, no, much worse than that. Well, look, I don't – I. I I'm obviously going to get myself in trouble here. I have no idea what it's like on a monthly basis to. But go it's not that. like Mother Nature bit you in the dick, right? This is a Chihuahua that bit my dick hole as hard <laughs> as possible and made me bleed like a stuffed pig all over. Like I, it ruined my underwear because my underwear was all bloody. But when you peed, did like piss come out of the side of your dick? It didn't. It, it did lacerate the hole a little bit i think it actually widened oh. my dick hole a little bit which but it burned a lot when i peed oh a god lot. and i was worried i was going to get that fire hose effect where it just sprays in every direction that i'd have to clean up my bathroom <laughs> like, like it's out of control <laughs> just like flipping all over the place 
it's like one of those, one of those, one of those lawn things with the the, the wacky lawn thing when you were a kid. The The other thing, and I know this is disgusting, but I just have to, this is what was going through my mind. So then well, I, we like, know it was going through your dick, that dog's teeth. Pretty much. <laughs> so then a little dried blood, like it was, I was bleeding right where the pee comes out, you know? Yeah. We're, so I, can't, like, I, I just want to reiterate, like, this is how we're starting off the episode, listeners. This is the story. This is how, this is how the episode is starting. The moment Greg said he got hurt, I, I knew it was about to go this direction. <laughs> I didn't know exactly how, but I, I knew this is. You knew my came. genitals were involved? I, I did. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I had some dried blood there, and I'm like, "What if the blood dries and like seals it up?" And then when I pee, like I can't pee, I'm like blocked up. You know, <laughs> you just got like this big water balloon dick. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you and the listeners to know I am recovering. It's oh. very unpleasant. I did have. Probably a 20-minute span of time where I debated going to get stitches. My wife was out with her friends last night at a winery, and I did call her and interrupt her outing to tell her that I might go to the hospital to get dick stitches. But. She was she was at the winery with her friends, and she was she like, was. she's like, I got my own husband winering at home. Well, and then, of a, course, I saw a her tiny little dog bought, bit his pee-pee. Yeah. I saw her friend at a Little League game, and she had heard the whole story already, so they had a yeah. good little giggle over it, you know? But I, yeah. I I, don't think as of right now I need any stitches. Oh, my God. That's insane. You're a real trooper making it here this week, Greg. I well, anything for you guys. They don't make a Hallmark card for that, you know? They don't. Sorry, <laughs> no. sorry about your dick hole. <laughs> sorry a chihuahua bit your dick. Did you see that with, like, that, that angry old lady from Hallmark? I don't know what her character is, but you know, like, the old, the insulting old lady that's on every card? She's yeah. like, hey, Bozo, how's your dick hole? And then you open it up, and she's like, don't worry about that dried up blood. You'll be... Yeah. <laughs> There's a At little my age, who needs a dick hole anyway? <laughs> There's, like, a little, a little flap for a $20 bill in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I did not expect this, the episode to start with this story, Jake. I mean, it's it's Greg. I knew I mm. I knew there'd be some kind of phallic story to begin the episode. That's yeah, true. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we're back. We're back. We took a week off, man. Um, come back to a dick story like that. Um, I want to thank Brandon Daly, listener Brandon Daly. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Brandon Daly, but he sent a donation. I want to thank him sincerely for sending the donation. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. We much appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I used that one to reactivate my A list, Jake. Oh wow! I, I got an email that if I reactivate, they'll give me the first three months for free. I was so close to clicking it. Yeah, I didn't get that email. They, they know they got me by the by the balls like a like like that chihuahua and greg um but uh, i would have gladly taken a bite to the sack as long you as preferred the, the balls well as long as the ball didn't get hit if the ball got hit forget it but just that i would rather take a bite to the sack ball aside let's put a, okay. let's put a let's put out a facebook poll drake would you rather <laughs> that's my power rankings too i think the worst is it it, it punctured the ball that and would be a nightmare. After, and then after that is the dick, and then after that is 
the sack, just, but just not, empty, not the ball. empty sack, yeah. empty sack. That's mm-hmm. my power rankings on where yeah. I want to get bit. By yeah. I want to know what the cross. listeners think. I want to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, that's our next contest. Tell yeah. us your power rankings of where you want Chihuahuas to bite you in the scrotal area. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you a copy of Beverly Hills Chihuahua Three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen any of those movies, man. I never have either. Are they real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, didn't I don't know, know that. If there's three of them. Yeah. Remember that Taco Bell dog that got canceled? <laughs> Why I do did remember he get that. canceled? Was he racist? <laughs> well, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. He was super racist. Super <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's, see. let's jump into iTunes reviews. Got one of them this week. First one comes from, uh, first and only one comes from Josh LM. And, uh, it's titled The Community. It's a five star and it goes on to say, this podcast has built the best community. I am forever grateful for Brian and Jake for building an amazing space of people and ideas. Honestly, that's probably blowing them a little too hard. And they put the asterisk in blowing. Like they were worried about iTunes removing this one for using the word blowing. Honestly, that's probably blowing them a little too hard, but they do a great job. Also, I miss Jay. Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman episode holds a special place in my heart, and that comes from Josh LM. That's a great review. We need to get Jay back on again. We need to find a reason. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll get him back on. We'll get him. I want to get him on a regular episode. It seems like last last two times we've had him on, we've had him on for like a movie episode. Let's get him on for a regular one. Yeah, just shooting the shit. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Josh LM. What do you think the LM stands for? Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm thinking. Wow. Wait, wait, Greg, you got any guesses? Lucky Moose Fucker? I don't, I have no Lucky idea. Moose Fucker. Josh Lucky <laughs> Moose Fucker. He was... <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, Greg, you should be my co-host. I asked Jake, he got nothing. I go to you and you, you you throw out diamonds like that. It's only because I had another like three seconds to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, what do you got? What do you got now? Uh, less money. Oh, fuck off. Hey, see? Now, less money. Get out of here. That's, that's we, were off, we were off for two weeks and we got one fucking iTunes review? Yeah. Well, we got, we got one of these fuckers that fucking uh, just changes theirs. I'm not reading those. I'm done with those. Yeah, fuck all that. And the people that just change them up so they can fucking have a platform on our show and think they're cute changing the review and shit. You're done. You're done. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real bite to the dick. Fucking yeah. one review. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Sicario winners. Let's go over our winners for the Night of Sicario movie. Got five winners coming up here. And uh, here's our, our winners for Night of the Sicario. First winner is going to be... Geraldo Vega. Geraldo Vega wins. Nice. One of my favorite Street Fighter characters there. Yes, yes. That's been covered in a previous episode. Second winner, Joe Stark wins. Oh, God. Hey, Joe. And let's see here. Number three, Steven Chavez. 
Big winner today. Number four is the winner. Monica Girl. <laughs> got the same fucking people every fucking week with this shit. And number five, Stephen Pliska. You win. You win. These guys, every fuck, nobody else enters except for these fucking five fuckers. I just, you know what? It's not even a contest anymore. I'm just going to start giving it to these five people every fucking week. Yeah, here you go, Joe. And then here I'll alternately like throw in a, a Larry Mayday every once in a while. Remember yeah. the the documentary about the guy who got rich just going on The Price is Right over and over and over again? They'll have that in 20 years, but it'll be the five people who just entered PCL <laughs> contests and yeah. got rich. And they're just like, oh, my God, I got a bunch of shitty VOD movies. <laughs> they'll, 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 have, they'll have Joe Stark with a stack of, like, digital redemption coupons next to him and <laughs> – Thanks to PCL, I've got Shadow of the Cloud on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Ugh, shit, I'm dropping stuff over here. What was that? A pen? A now pen? the cap of this vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Not only there. dropping that, I'm dropping a ball in this episode. Uh, let's see here. What have we got? What's next? Oh, we've got another contest. New contest this week. Uh, it's, uh, that damn Michael Che. It's the, uh, new HBO Max show. Don't miss the all new HBO Max original comedy series, That Damn Michael Che, starring none other than Michael Che, featuring celebrity guests Omari Hardwick, Cecily Strong, Colin Jost, Billy Porter, and Method Man, among others. That damn Michael Che explores Michael's perspective on everyday situations, uh, including, uh, racial profiling, unemployment, falling in love, and more. Stream that damn Michael Che now on HBO Max, and uh, we're giving out this. Is, this is a cool one. We're giving out uh, five that damn Michael Che posters signed by Michael Che, as well as not only do you win the poster, but you'll win a twenty-five dollar American Express gift card. And all you have to do is I'm going to send out a tweet and a Facebook post, and all you have to do is retweet it or share the Facebook post. Then screenshot it, send it to me, comments at popcultureleftovers.com, uh, comments at popcultureleftovers, and um, then uh, title it That Damn Michael Che. And I'll pick out the uh, same five winners that I do every week next week. I was just scared. Joe Stark's already spending that $25 in his head. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just going to buy five more uh, VOD movies. <laughs> So yeah, enter the contest, enter the contest. Um, I was thinking, um, a random thought here. I was think, oh, I did watch the, I watched the first two episodes of, uh, that damn Michael Che. And, uh, I like it. I think it, I think it's pretty good. It's got, it's got potential. Yes, I watched just the first episode and I liked it quite a bit too. Yeah, yeah. So check out the show, that damn Michael Che on HBO Max. I think it's six episodes. I think they dropped them all. But, uh, yeah, check it out, HBO Max. Um, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about, this is just a random shower thought that I had, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, that, that movie, the Francis McDormand movie that won Best Picture, uh, Nomadland. Nomadland. I was thinking about a, a parody movie. Um, it's a movie where Mads Mickelson gets kicked out of a bunch <laughs> of different countries, and it's called Nomad's Land. <laughs> it's just about Mads Mikkelsen, the actor, getting kicked out of multiple countries. He's got a very sad face. He'd be perfect for that movie. Yeah, that'd be a great fucking movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just lots of zoom-ins on him looking very put off. Yeah, I was driving around thinking about that. 
chuckled to myself, thought I'd share. <laughs> I did. I smell an Oscar for Mads. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, um, I'm in the very early stages, uh, Jake, Greg, of what I'm calling a, uh, I'm calling, I'm, I'm workshopping the name, but it's a, it's a plight, a polite album remix. I'll, oh. ex- I'll explain it. I'm in the very, like I said, I'm in the very early creative stages, but, um, it's, it's a polite album remix and I wanted to play just a sample of what I've put together so far, if you guys would entertain me. Oh, I'd love to hear this. All right. This is from, uh, this is Peter Frampton from Frampton, uh, Frampton Comes Alive. And, uh, this is Baby, I Love Your Way. This is from my, from my early polite album remix. Shadows so long before my eyes. Oh, and so that's that's basically how it would go. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I thought you were going to say please before you know the chorus of the the song. No, no. I, I have an extended. Uh, I have an extended version of it. Um, this is my second entry, same song, uh, but the second entry in my polite album remix, I might throw this in as a bonus track, but, um, yeah, check it out. Here we go. Frampton comes alive. Baby, I love your way. This is, uh, entry two. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) You sound sincere as if you really do appreciate our enthusiastic gratitude. Now, if, if, yes. If you're in the front row at that concert, yes, and you actively say you're like a very loud, clear, you're welcome. Is the artist obligated to give you like the return head nod, like just acknowledging that you said you're welcome? Uh, I th- at that point, I think you're being escorted out of the concert. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't stop there. I didn't stop there with my polite album remix. Wanted to play this one. I'm very proud of. Uh, this is the. Uh, I'll just let you listen to the song. This is from uh, Sly and the Family Stone. goes on for another three minutes guys I, <laughs> I, there's no need I, to listen to the original ever again never <laughs> i hope you've prepared natalie merchant for us have you no i don't no i i, I said I just, i'm i'm in the very early stages of this all right because i would never ask anything of you because you do so much for the community you this must happen I love how earnestly you respond. Yes. Yeah. Can, can I make one other um, just polite request, Brian? In, in, in a second. Here we go. We're going back to the... 
That goes on for another couple minutes. I'll play the full thing <laughs> at the at the very end of the episode if you want to listen to that nonsense. I'll play the the full cut of that song. That's fucking awesome. You need to do the yeah Golden Girls theme next. Oh, oh that would yeah, be great. yeah. I, like I said, I'm in the very early stages right now. But so just, just see how like the, you've got a whole album coming together here because the one that I rudely interrupted your song uh, and again you know I, I just this is a, like just a humble ask, Brian. Alanis Morissette's Thank You. I would just love to hear that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I will take suggestions on this one. I will take suggestions on this one. But, yeah, having a lot of fun with that one. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of artists saying thank you, and there's really nothing in return. We don't show our appreciation. No, it's bullshit. It's, it's about time someone stepped up. Yeah, yeah. So it's my Plight album remix. Like I said, I'm just workshopping the name, too. I don't know. I think you nailed the name. I think I've wasted everyone's time. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I think ev- this is going to be the episode everyone finishes just to hear the remix. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> oh god! All right, let's jump into let's uh, two weeks off, and that's when I come back with Jake. <laughs> You're coming in hot. <laughs> we should take more weeks off. If this is fucking terrible. Oh my god! All right, all right, guys, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews. With Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So I'm going to start off Good Pop, Bad Pop this week with uh, something I've been doing for two weeks now. And I'm going to continue to do it up until uh, the new release. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the Fast and Furious movies. So June 25th uh, is when F9 drops in theaters. Uh, I have seen... When they first came out, I did watch the first three Fast and Furious movies, and then I just dropped off the franchise. And so uh, what they've been doing is uh, it's this website, fast fastfridays.com or something like that. Uh, I've been posting the link on uh, Facebook and on Twitter, but uh, if you go there, you can see participating theaters that are playing the Fast and Furious movies every Friday in the theater, and... There's a code that you can enter at the end of your purchase, and then you can get your ticket for free. So I went to uh, the Marcus Theater, and I watched uh, Fast and Furious last week. And then last night, I went and saw Too Fast, Too Furious. Watched both of these for free. And I like the first Fast and Furious movie, I saw it when it first came out 20 years ago and hadn't seen it since. Same goes for Too Fast, Too Furious. And then I also saw Tokyo Drift. And, uh, but I'm gonna go to the theater every week, and, uh, with the fourth film, that'll be the first movie in the franchise that I haven't seen that I will be watching, and then I'm gonna be watching them all the way up to eight, and then when nine comes out, we'll, we'll talk about that movie, but, uh, 
Yeah. I, I, let me talk about – this is so cool being able to watch these in the theaters. Let me start off by saying that. It's so cool that they're doing this because sitting at home and watching them, it, I think it would be a completely different experience for me. I'm enjoying the theater experience a lot more because like – you know, you got a crowd there. You got, you know, they're not packing these theaters. They're at like 30, 40% capacity, but you got enough fans that are going out to see these movies that it makes it fun. And, uh, you know, you get the, the big screen and all the sounds and everything. I'll tell you one thing. I haven't seen that first Fast and Furious movie. I remembered very little about it until I started watching it again. And then I was just like, holy shit. I remember now 20 year old Brian saying, this is point break with cars. I was like, oh yeah, totally. It's like, do you like Point Break? Well, how about Point Break without all that damn surfing and way (laughs) more cars? Because that's what you get. And I fucking loved it, man. I had a blast in that movie. And um, then uh, last night went and saw Too Fast, Too Furious, and this is the one where uh, he teams up. Yeah, Dom's gone. uh, Vin Diesel's gone. And he teams up with uh, Tyrese Gibson as Roman Pierce and their undercover age, their undercover, uh, working with, uh, U.S. Customs Service agent Monica Fuentes, played by Eva Mendez, to bring Miami-based drug lord Carter Verone down. And my god, I fucking had a blast with this movie. It's super fun. Oh my god, Tyrese Gibson was super funny in this movie. And there's this really disturbing scene where they're like, uh, threatening, you got, uh, this, uh, drug lord played by Cole Hauser, who's like going after this, uh, uh, after this detective, trying to get this detective to give them a 15 minute window so they can pull off this, uh, this cash heist. And, uh, they're threatening this guy. They're pinning him down. They put a fucking bucket over his stomach and they put a rat in the bucket and they're heating this thing up with like a fucking torch. Oh yeah, that part is crazy. And they're like, the only way, the only place for this rat to go is down. They're talking about fucking this rat clawing through this guy's stomach to get out of this fucking heated up bucket. And I was just like, oh my god, this is so fucked up. This is a Fast and Furious movie. I, I, I doesn't Game of Thrones do the same fucking trick? I don't remember. I, I know no I saw that somewhere else, but I'm trying to remember where. But man, I'm sure Arya's held captive and they do it to someone where she's held captive. Yeah. A ton of people remember in the original Alan Moore's Watchmen, the whole like it takes you five minutes to saw through the handcuff or 10 to saw through or two two minutes to saw through your wrist. Alan Moore got ripped off so many times on that. You can't even count, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I'm loving uh, seeing these. I'm going to give both of these a Tupperware. I had a blast with both of them. I yeah, really yeah, did. Both, they both really hold up too, and yeah, those movies are kind of made for the theater. So I, I'm not surprised that you had more fun going to see them that way. I mean, just they're just big bombastic movies with great sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having. Doesn't I'm, Dom show up at the very like butt end of Too Fast, Too Furious? He does not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unless it's a post-credit scene that I didn't stick around for, because he does not. No, I mean, that's one of the things, like, I remember when he came back in the fourth film, uh, and, uh, going forward, he would always say, like, this is Paul Walker's franchise. This is Paul Walker's franchise. Cause, like, he was there from the beginning. Even though he wasn't in the third one, he would always, Vin Diesel would always say it's Paul Walker's franchise. So, but, um, yeah, that third one, I remember that third one takes place in the future, and, uh, I think that's kind of like just where I kind of like jumped out. I hope that I enjoyed the third one more 
than I enjoyed it the first time because I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the third one. But uh, we'll see what it's like watching it in the theater again. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 going to be going. Uh, you can purchase the tickets like they they go on sale Fridays, and my tickets go on sale like I think it's like seven thirty in the morning, and then I just pick my pick my seat. I've been sitting in F nine every week. So oh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. That's very fitting. So yeah, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving. I'm absolutely uh, loving going to the theater and seeing these movies. So yeah, I'm gonna do this every week. I'm gonna watch all these movies in the theater. I think that's the way they're supposed to be watched, and I'm glad that that they're doing this. I'm glad that Universal is setting this up and free tickets, man. You can't beat it, man. You just you go to that website and you put in the fucking code and you're good to go. I love it. So um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about the later ones in the series and see what you think of those. I think yeah. four is kind of the worst, but then from there it's like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. 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 We'll get into it. Um, I'll be, I'll be going every week now. I'll get you, I'll give you updates every week on these movies. Um, for all mankind season two finale, um, Greg, are you watching this? I am still on season one. Okay, you need to you need to catch up, man. It's yeah, uh, I've heard great things. Whoo, Tupperware season two, it is phenomenal. Oh my god, and the way it ends, it was just an incredible season. This show it just continues to be um just a fucking force. I, I love this great writing. It's just. I mean, if you're talking, the series, like, the hook at the beginning is, like, what if the Soviets landed on the moon first? You know, and, like, you know, what would the U.S., how would the U.S. react? And, like, the space race just keeps going and going and going. Like, the second season, we got guns on the moon. We've got people shooting at other people on the moon. And I know I'm making it sound like it's this fucking, like, war thing and it's all crazy. It's not... And it is crazy, but it's not like it, 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 I'm not talking. It's not like Starship Troopers on the fucking moon. This is it feels very real like this could be historically real if things went this other way where Russia landed on the moon first. Like and they're actually using real people that were involved in the space program at the time. Um, the second season, there's like just little things that change in history that that don't deal with like the space race, like John Lennon isn't murdered. Um, and you know, you see a little bit of that. It's that's not a big thing, but like I Tupperware the fuck out of the second season. It was uh, uh, phenomenal. They, they give you a tease at the end of the episode as to where season, where season three is going. And uh, I am super, super, super excited for season three. I cannot wait. Um, I did watch also the Invincible finale. Greg, did you watch Invincible? Oh, did I? Absolutely. What did you think about uh, the season overall? It is the highest of Tupperwares. I mean, I loved Invincible season one. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, when you think about that finale, I'm not sure that we've seen human death on that kind of scale in any medium. (laughs) It, It absolutely was a gore fest yeah it was really breathtaking yeah um just incredible god damn i I, honestly i can't believe that they went where they went so early in the episode you know what i mean i was i was thinking like oh they're just gonna leave this on kind of like a cliffhanger and like this whole like maybe we'll get this big reveal at the end of the up no like it comes out with fucking guns blazing right at the beginning you know what i mean just like right out of the gate you jump into it and my god that that finale was 
<laughs> at the highest of Tupperwares. And when you're talking about Gorefest, holy shit, man, that's Subway. That subway train. The subway was insane. And, and you know what I what I really loved about this finale? It's not just gore for the sake of gore. It's gore because this tells us that to Omni-Man, we're insects. That's it. Every person Omni-Man kills reinforces that idea that to us, we're nothing. We're, we're, he has no compassion, no care, absolutely nothing but his, but his mission. It, it's... It's really so well done, and it absolutely earns the right to show us what it shows us in that episode. Yeah, yeah. I I loved it. Um, Jake, did you drop off? I, I bet you dropped off this one. No, I haven't watched any more, but I, I do plan on binging the series at some point. I, I didn't realize it was just going to be eight episodes and we're done. It feels like this thing just started. Well, they dropped, uh, what was it, th- two or three the first week. And so, I mean, we had – you know, five, I think five weeks after that where you're watching stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it just, just an amazing, amazing season. Um, Robert Kirkman was on the most recent episode of, uh, Fat Man Beyond and talking about the finale with, uh, with Kevin Smith and, uh, Mark Bernard. And it's a great listen. I don't have any problems telling people about other podcasts, Jake. I really don't. No, who gives care. a fuck? We're, we're all buddies. You know, everybody's so fucking like protective over their listeners and shit. And it's like, yeah, I love our listeners, but man, there's other shit to listen to. And if somebody finds something no, better, we've all, we've... if somebody finds something better than us and they stop listening to us, man, I can't fault them for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to fucking, you know, keep my listeners chained up to a radiator in the basement, you know? No, I mean, if they want to keep getting VOD movies, they better. Yeah, you gotta come every week. <laughs> You gotta come every week. Night of the Sicario. Got some big winners this week, Jake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Invincible, Invincible. Oh my god. I love, at the highest of Tupperwares for me, Greg. I could, I couldn't agree more. I can't wait for season two. This is one of those rare, and season three, which were both greenlit, if I'm not mistaken. But two and three, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, this is one where I'm actually gonna, I'm going to hold off on picking up the source material. As great as it sounds, I, I know Joe Stark, who's been on previous episodes, is a yeah. big fan. I want to see how this plays out in animation. And, yeah. you know, obviously when the animation ends, maybe I'll, I'll read the series. They say it is different in the book. They do, they do, you know, make some changes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this first season, I, <laughs> such, such an incredible story. And just the, the entire cast just did an amazing job. J.K. Simmons is incredible. So fucking good. It's, it's, I can't, like, sometimes I just can't believe, like, the cast that they put together on this thing. It's just stacked. Just fucking stacked. Uh, <laughs> Storage Wars season 13. <laughs> it started. <laughs> nice. Ah, I'm six episodes deep. Oh my god. <laughs> Brandy and Jared divorced, not divorced. They never got married, but they were together for 20 years. They split up. Now they're going to the auctions bidding against each other. It is the it man, the heat is on this season. And that's <laughs> not just for publicity. You think they legitimately are Oh, not I've looked anymore? Trust me, I've looked into it. Yeah, they're they're both with different people now. They've got like two kids together. They're both with different people. Oh, of wow. course they're doing it on the show for ratings and shit, but like yeah, they're they're not together anymore. Yeah, she, uh, he's with somebody else and she's with, uh, I think like a producer or something like that on the show or something. But yeah, they're both with completely different people now. 
Wasn't the story that she was like a stripper when they met or something like that? Or am I imagining that? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't. Uh, my my storage wars knowledge doesn't go that deep. <laughs> You're not <laughs> a storage wars historian. <laughs> not a storage wars historian. Um, I, you know, I honestly, I I didn't start watching storage wars until I fucking. Uh, tore my Achilles a few years ago. I had so much fucking time on my hands that I was just like, oh, fuck. There's, there's like 10 seasons of this shit. Let's do it. So. Do you think they plant the shit in the storage lock? Oh, 100%. There's like, like, why is there a storage locker with totally worthless shit and then like a, a Baroque flower vase? I've always you know, thought that. It makes that. no sense at all. Yeah, I've always thought that. Like, there's a the storage locker with like fucking a bunch of like dirty laundry and shit and then there's like this, you know, 19th 18th century fucking board game or something you know and it's like <laughs> what the fuck oh i gotta go get the, i'm let me i gotta take this to an expert yeah is daryl still on there daryl still daryl sheets is still on there he fucking he had like uh he went through like a surgery or something he had something and i didn't think he was coming back he left and he went through some surgeries and shit and now he's back fucking uh what's his name dave Hester is not on Dave this Hester. season. Yep. That yep. Guy, right? Yeah, he's not on this season. And then Mary, she was on the first episode, but Mary went, she moved to Texas or something. She's done with the show too. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's just, it's just that trash TV that I watch late at night before I go to bed. Just watch some storage wars, see what they're fucking pulling out of these fucking units. Yeah. Any, any really cool finds you've seen? Mm, uh, uh, nothing really worth mentioning. No, nah, not really. But man, I, 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 I don't know. It's just a guilty pleasure for me. Storage Wars. Uh, I went and saw at the theater. I went and saw the Demon Slayer movie, um, Mugen Train. Oh, awesome. And uh, it's set after the events of the first season. And uh, man, I, uh, I, I loved. It. I, I've seen. There's better episodes. There's better episodes of the series. But as far as the movie goes, I give it a Tupperware. I absolutely loved it, and um, I couldn't. I can't stop thinking about it. Like I want to. I actually want to go back and watch it again, um, and before it leaves theaters. But uh, and, and as soon as oh, as soon as it was over, I was like looking for Rengoku figures. I'm like, I gotta get a Rengoku figure. I still haven't pulled the trigger on a Rengoku figure, but um, I loved it. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was if you're into. Demon Slayer, if you love that uh, first season, I think you'll love this movie. It's it's a lot of fun. There are you've got uh, the the Demon Slayer Corps. They're investigating this mysterious disappearance of uh, forty people aboard the Mugen train, and um, and I'm, I'm I love the movie. I can't. Wait. I want to see it again. I want to see it again. I saw it. I missed it in IMAX. They played it in IMAX for one night. Uh, he, it would have been cool to see it on that big ass screen. But then the next day, uh, Mortal Kombat came out, so Mortal Kombat took the IMAX screens. But I did see it in, uh, I did see it on a big screen, which was nice. So, but um, yeah, it would have been nice. It seems to see like it a lot, IMAX. a lot of the animes they do their movies right in the middle of the series, and it's like they're almost like little side stories that don't necessarily like super affect canon, but they're interesting enough to still be really cool. And, and they, they put a little bit more money into the animation on them. It seems. Yeah, I, this, as far as like affecting the overall story, I think you'll definitely want to watch this one. Cause, uh, you've got some main characters and big things happen with some main characters here. I, I did watch the dub version, which I, I enjoyed overall, but, um, uh, some of the voices, 
didn't work for me. But uh, overall, it was good. Overall, it was good. So, um, yeah, so Tupperware that. Uh, Together, Together, this is a movie that I saw in the theater. Um, a young loner becomes a surrogate mother for a single middle-aged man who wants a child. Their unexpected relationship soon challenges their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the particulars of love. This is a, a comedy drama. It's written and directed by Nicole Beckwith. The film stars Ed Helms, Patty Harrison, Tig Notaro, Julio Torres, and Anna Conkle. Anna Conkle from Pen15. And you've got Ed Helms who's playing a a single guy who's been in a relationship with women. They haven't worked out, but he's always wanted a he's always wanted a child. And so he's in his forties and he's wanting a child. And you know, he's had a successful, somewhat successful career as an app developer. He, he developed this app called Loner. And it's just an app where you look at people on a, like people's pictures on your screen. And if you like them, you can, you can like heart them. Like you can, you can swipe that you like them or you can swipe to the right and never see them again. So, so it's the dumbest app ever. You never, I'm sure that's real. You, you never contact anyone in the app. Like you can either, you either swipe left that you like them and then you can look at them whenever you want to, or you swipe right and you never see this person again. And that's the app and it's called loner. So, um, but he starts to interview different women about, um, you know, about being the surrogate mother for his child and, uh, you know, settles on, on this one woman, um, uh, Anna played by Patty Harrison. And I, I thought the movie was going to go one way and it goes a completely different way. He starts to get like super stalkerish around her, like, like checking up on her and making sure like, what are you eating? Who are you hanging around with? Like there's this one scene where like a random guy comes out of her apartment and he finds out that she had sex with this guy and He's like, I don't want some random penis around my baby. I, he's like, my, my baby is in there absorbing this guy's ejaculate. I don't want that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, this is where we're going with this. This is going to be like this really weird comedy where he's kind of super stalkerish and it doesn't turn into that. It's way more serious than that. And, um, you get some great scenes with this, with these two people. Like he's in his forties, she's in her twenties. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, um, buying a crib together. She gives him like a little bit of help as far as like raising the baby later when the, if it's a girl, um, she shows him how to like, you know, um, teach the girl, you know, how to put a tampon in and all this stuff. And, and I mean, it's funny. There's very, it's very funny. And there's, they even address the fact that like, oh, they've been spending so much time together. Could there be some sort of like romantic interest between the two? And then they have this talk about like, she's like, you've seen too many Woody Allen movies. And I fucking, I lost my shit. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I thought that that was fantastic. It was, it's such a great movie. Uh, at the end, they had a, uh, a Q and A with the director and Ed Helms and, uh, Patty Harrison, and that was great. Found out that she was cast. Patty Harrison was cast as as uh, Nicole found her 
as the lead actress because it's like some Jimmy Fallon clip she did years before. She was like, yeah, that's, that's who I want to play Anna. And, um, it was shot before the pandemic and it's crazy. Like this was shot before the pandemic and it's just coming out now, but I give it a Tupperware. I loved it. I thought it, this is one of those, like if it drops on Amazon or, or Netflix, um, this is one to watch. It's called together together with Ed Helms and Ed Helms. I, you know, I've never seen him do kind of like a, like a serious dramatic role like this. Like he does play like the super awkward guy really well, but he also, he does it in this in, in more of a dramatic way than I've ever seen him play a character. And, and it, it really worked. And, this is like one of those indie films like eighth grade or lady bird that just kind of like comes out of nowhere that I think more people should be watching. But of course those came out before the pandemic and I don't think this is going to get a lot of attention and it should, it's really, really good. It's a, you know, I think it tackles this in a, in a more realistic way and has some great messages as well. So I highly recommend together together when you're able to watch this. Um, let's talk about the Mitchells versus the machines. This dropped on Netflix and, uh, this is an animated CGI movie. Uh, young Katie Mitchell embarks on a road trip with her proud parents, younger brother and a beloved dog to start her first year at film school. But their plans to bond as a family soon get interrupted when the world's electronic devices come to life to stage an uprising with help from two friendly robots. The Mitchells must now come together to save one another and the planet from their new technological revolution. It's directed by Mike Rianda in his feature directorial debut, co-directed by Jeff Rowe and written by Rianda and Rowe with Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Kurt Albrecht serving as producers. Stars the voices of Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Rianda, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Fred Armisen, Beck Bennett, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, Blake Griffin, and Conan O'Brien. And, uh, yeah, this dropped on Netflix. Greg, what did you think about this one? I see a lot of kids' movies because I have kids, as you guys know. Um, and I think whenever you see a kids' movie these days, you kind of ask yourself two questions. And this is going to sound a little cheesy, but the first question, is it going to pull on my heartstrings? Is it going to emotionally impact me, right? And for this one, the answer to me was yes. I think definitely we had a lot of emotional impact. You know, this is really a story, among other things, about a family, but it's also a story about a father and his daughter and the daughter's going away to school and she's growing up and how that impacts their their relationship. The other question is, did it make me laugh? And I would say, for me, not every joke in this movie lands, but enough do. Um, I'm going to give this movie a high-tasted overall. Um, what I'll say is this definitely is going to exceed your expectations as a movie that's just sitting on Netflix for anybody with a subscription to watch for free. I don't know if this is as good as the best of the Pixar films, but it's a, a to me, this is a damn good animated film. Nation is spectacular. I mentioned that it packs some emotional punch. There's this running joke with the dog. There's a dog that to me is kind of like the star of this movie. And I don't want to spoil the joke because it really works its way into how the plot resolves itself. But I I really enjoyed this movie. Again, I'd, I'd give it a high tasted. I'm going to give it a notch below Tupperware. And the reason why is because when you Tupperware a computer generated, you know, one of these animated m movies, it has to be like a forever classic. I don't think this is that. I think this is a very, very good family film. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what would you think? 
Yeah, this actually was an absolute Tupperware for me. I, I kind of think it is a forever classic. I, I fell in love with the animation style. It's just got a really unique like style where there's hand-drawn stuff going on top of the CGI. And I, I mean, maybe the closest thing I can compare it to is some of the stuff they did in Spider-Verse with the sound effects. But it's a little bit more surreal than that, where you're just seeing all these different images and hand-drawn stuff going on top of the CGI. Um, I thought the colors were really bombastic in this. I, the score was just super amazing. Uh, the voice cast was phenomenal. Um, man, I fucking love this. I thought the the comedy really hit for me for the most part, um, especially the Beck Bennett, Fred Armisen robot characters were probably <laughs> two of my favorite moments in the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I really love this. I didn't really expect to like this as much as I did, but man, this was a grand time, a must watch if you already have a Netflix subscription. Yeah, I think this was supposed to hit theaters and then Netflix got it. I could be wrong though, but I think it was supposed to be a theatrical release. It had to have been. It feels like they spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, I, I love this too. I, I, I love this a lot. I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. Um, I, I laughed. Uh, I think my only nitpick with it is I feel like the younger brother character kind of sucked. Like he, had he a, was annoying. He was annoying. Um, he <laughs> I, and honestly, that's I wrote that down. Go ahead, Brian. You speak. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I thought he was funny at the beginning when they were like, okay, you know, he, this kid loves dinosaurs and he's calling random people in the phone book. Do you want to talk about dinosaurs with me? And I was like, that's funny. And then as the movie went on, like this character was just super annoying and not funny and just like super, super awkward in the way that he just did not fit in with this movie. They could have just done so much they could have done so much uh, different things with this character to make it better. Um, that was my only nitpick really with this movie is the younger brother character sucked. Everybody else was fantastic in this movie. I thought Danny McBride's character, like the way he, he was super annoying, but he was supposed to be. And like, he was super like, I don't know, very, like very parental and, and just like, the way that he tr – the family dynamic was with like the, like the screwdrivers and all this weird shit and it, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I, I loved the voice cast. I thought Maya Rudolph was great. I loved her character, especially like at the end where she – where it's almost like oh, she – Kill Bill. <laughs> turned, yeah, the Kill Bill. I loved that. I, I, I really got a kick out of it. What, what were you saying about the younger brother character, Greg? I'm sorry. I I would have been really curious creatively how it would have been different had they cast a child to voice that role. Because part of what was a little funky to me is it was um, an adult. And, and it just, again, it felt like a little clunky. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I, I, yeah, I think a child in a sort of more earnest performance leaning into the awkward sort of – the character has kind of a, an awkward story – that it's kind of charming, but it just felt weird with an adult in that role. You can get Jacob Tremblay. I mean, at least, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he was. In, I mean, he's done comedy. He was in Good Boys. So, I mean, get sure, get a chop. It, it was a little weird hearing because, like, every once in a while, it would just come out of the voice. Like, this is not a child actor. This is a fucking full grown man. So it had a real baby's kids vibe with the the deep voice, like the tone boat character a bit because he, he's had such a deep voice. The little brother character. Yeah. I, I was not a fan of 
the little brother. But I loved, I did love the robots. I thought the robots were hilarious. The Furby scene had me dying. <laughs> like, you know, like, let the dark harvest begin. And I was just like, oh my God, this is fucking, this is great. This is great. I loved it. Eric Andre was fun. I thought Eric Andre did a great job. So. Yeah, I'll give it a Tupperware, man. I, I I was pleasantly surprised. I think that they could definitely do sequels. I think, like, of course, we're probably thinking, like, they could definitely do, you know, the Mitchells versus, you know, the aliens or the zombies or possibly even dinosaurs next. So, you know, with the kid being a big fan of dinosaurs, I think that would be an interesting. I think this is definitely going to be getting sequels for Netflix. This is huge for Netflix. Like, this is another thing that they can kind of, like you know, bank on people, you know, keeping their subscriptions to Netflix. I think this is worthy of like people coming back and rewatching this kids. I, I think this, this movie could be on a loop at some house households, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. It makes me wonder how, I mean, Sony animation is a real player in the space now because they did into the spider verse and now, and now this film, I mean, you know, Lord and Miller of course had roles in both, but my goodness, you know, that's, that's two pretty, pretty good home runs in a row for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's huge for Netflix to pick this up. And they also have uh, into the spider verse on the service. Don't they at Netflix now? They do. Yeah. Yeah. The Mitchells versus the machines. I highly recommend it. I was, uh, I, I honestly, I can't say that I was surprised once I heard that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were involved. I was like, man, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be pretty good. I can't wait to watch this one. Um, Jupiter's Legacy, speaking of things that dropped on Netflix, Jupiter's Legacy, it follows the uh, story of the world's first superheroes who received their powers in the 1930s. But as they pass the torch to their children, tensions arise as the young superheroes to prove their worth struggle to live up to their parents' legend in a world where the old rules no longer apply. It's from the Image comic book. By Mark Miller and Frank Quitely. And, uh, the Netflix series is created by Stephen S. Tonight. He did the, uh, Stars Spartacus, uh, show and he did some, he did some other stuff on Stars, like whatever. How many, I don't even know how many Spartacus spinoffs they had, but he was involved in all that <laughs> shit. Um, it stars Josh DeHamel, Ben Daniels, Leslie Bibb, Alina Kampouris, Andrew Horton, Mike Wade, and Matt Lanter. And I, Jake, I, I read the comic book when it first came out. I think it was like 2013 or 14 when it came out and I read the comic so it's been a good eight seven eight years since I've read it and uh, as I'm watching this a lot of it was kind of like coming back to me and um, but I want to know what you guys thought what did you think Greg of Jupiter's Legacy and how many episodes did you watch it's uh, I think it's eight episodes so I did watch one episode so everything I say of course is in the context of one episode uh, you know, I think overall the biggest challenge with a show like this, it's really trying to sort of be subversive in the superhero genre that's exploded really over the last 20 years now. And when you talk about a show that kind of subverts expectations in the superhero genre, you're talking about The Boys, you're talking about Invincible, which we talked about 20 minutes ago. You're probably talking about um, David Lindelof's Watchmen series. Umbrella Academy? Umbrella Academy was next on my list. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this is not as good as those things one episode through. That doesn't mean it's not good. It just means to me, one episode in, it's not as good as those other things. And because of that, uh, my sense is I, I did not read critical reviews before the first episode. I think critics might be a tad tough on it, but I, maybe things go south after episode one in a way that I'm not anticipating. Um, I thought... Uh, Josh Duhamel was great. I loved Les Leslie Bibb. 
when they go to sort of a period setting, I think it the show looks rich and and vibrant and loved what it looked like. Um, one one real issue I do have with the show one episode in, an actor named Andrew Horton plays the character of Paragon, who makes a very interesting choice at the end of the first episode. I thought Andrew Horton's performance was very very poor in in that first episode. He's, he's a very like the, good, he's like the Kit Harrington of this. Thing. He a great call. did not have any charisma whatsoever. He's very good looking, but he probably has, again, I don't know the comic series, but I'm thinking of, okay, this young character who's trying to live up to his dad, who's essentially Superman, who has this incredibly strict code, who decides to go in a different direction. That should be the most interesting character on the show. And unfortunately, it's the worst performance on the show through one episode. So I would give it a taste. I am excited to keep watching because, again, I think I, I think people might be being a little too tough on the show. I know a lot of complaints about the action looking like Power Rangers. The, the action was fine to me. Perfectly fine. This is television. It's good enough. But um, I'm excited to watch more. It, it just might not be in the same class as some of those other shows I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, uh, what did you think? How many episodes? I watched the first four episodes of this, um, and I'm a lot more down on it than Greg, I think. It's going to be a low taste it for me. I actually thought the first episode was the best episode, and I was probably at a high taste it after the first episode. Just lots of intrigue of, of where they're going to go with this. And then I thought the next three episodes just kind of meandered so much, and there's really – like that giant hook is just yet to happen. And it's like, how many of these episodes do I have to watch before there's like that lure that really gets me in? Um, I also do think the acting is pretty poor in this show. Um, other than Josh Duhamel, who I thought does a great job. I think almost everyone else is, is pretty poor. And I, I think the flashbacks kind of look kind of shitty too. Like uh, just the production that they spent on this doesn't, seems like they could have thrown some more money at this and made this look a lot better and i've just i don't know if i'm going to continue or not if someone tells me that it's got a fantastic cliffhanger at the end if at the halfway point there's this giant fish hook that'll get me i might come back to it but i think four episodes in and i'm pretty much done i i'm just a little bit disappointed mark miller is one of my favorite comic book writers and i read the first six issues of this comic book um i think it's a trilogy of of comics but I, I never read past the first arc um i don't remember disliking that as much as i dislike this but i as well was having like things come back to me as i watched this um i don't know i i think the pacing is kind of off it it does a little bit of a poor job of explaining its own mythology in an interesting way that makes you that you're dying to know more about this mythology so, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed at the first Miller World outing on Netflix. I, I thought it would have been a lot better. Yeah, um, I've watched all the episodes. I finished it today, as a matter of fact. Um, I will say that uh, instead of finishing this, Jake, you just need to start watching The Boys Season 1 and Season 2. Yeah. Like, it sounds like everything this does, that did better. This tackles different things. It does. I mean, this, this is different when it comes to tackling like this, you know, superhero code that's been established. Like we do not kill. We do not get involved in, you know, government things and wars and things like that. This, this gets involved in that, um, a lot more than I think like the boys does. But I would still say watch the boys. 
over this, like if you're waiting for somebody to give you like that thumbs up on Jupiter's legacy and say, yeah, finish it, dude. I'll, I'll base, I'll come at them and say, well, I think he needs to watch the boys first season one and season two. Cause it is a superior show. Um, I think that the first episode was good. Uh, like Jake, I'd, I'd give the first episode a, honestly, I'd give the first episode a, um, uh, a taste it. I, I would say the next three episodes are, are low taste it's. And I think once you finally get to like the last four episodes, it does start to ramp up and get better. I, I think that they could have put a little bit more money into this, to be quite honest with you. I think some of the special effects didn't look great. Some of the fighting and the choreography is not fantastic. I mean, you're going to get that on the boys. Like that's, that's why we go there. That's why we watch that show. Um, but it does tackle some, I think that like tackling this code, you know, and really going after that, like the do not kill code. And, and I, I think it's very interesting. Josh Duhamel is fantastic in this. Um, I would give, Overall, I would give this a high tasted at the end of the day because I do think that the last few episodes are, are, they do pick up and it does get better. Um, I will watch season two, but I'm not chomping at the bit for season two. Like I, I'm like I'm chomping at the bit for Invincible season two or The Boys season three. Like those are just like, just, you know, I don't know, man. Just like, yeah, as far as like the, the Millerverse starting on Netflix, this is, I was hoping, honestly, man, like they were talking about making these movies at one time. And I think like with a bigger budget and, and bigger actors behind this thing, it could have been better. But of course, the series is going to be able to flesh out the story a little bit more. But you're right, Jake. It does the pacing. It does kind of meander. And I was kind of like checked out in like, I think it was like, you know, some of the shit going on in episode three and four. There's times where it's like, oh, man, I'm really into what's going on in the present day. And then that would flip for me in the next episode where it's like I'm more interested in what's going on in the 1930s. And now I don't give a fuck about what's going on in present day. <laughs> but like I think it all kind of comes together in the last couple episodes where I'm actually caring about like what it, – it's got enough to where you're getting into like what's going on in the present day, what's actually happening back in the past, how do they get their powers – it starts to the last now I'm invested in both of these stories, but it's still not as like captivating and as amazing as the storytelling that we got in the boys and in invincible. And I, I, yeah, I keep comparing them because that's the, that's what this genre is doing. It's, it's, it's this kind of like, um, they're taking this superheroes and all the tropes and it's kind of like a, a deconstruction of that. That's what these shows are doing. It's a deconstruction of superheroes and comic books and, you know, what we've come to love from the Justice League and the Avengers. And it's taking elements of both and deconstructing them and trying to give us like a like, how would this really play out in the real world? And I thought that this was interesting. But I just think that the boys and Invincible do it way better. The Invincible does it from like the perspective of a teenager coming into their powers and their father being Superman. And the boys does it from, you know, kind of like this, uh, what if, what if the Justice League was owned by a company? A big, huge company. And, you know, so I, put a little bit more into the budget, get a bigger cast on this one. And maybe it would have been a Tupperware because I, I think the comic book is superior. The comic book is superior. Uh, I'd give the comic book a, a, a Tupperware. 
uh, over over the uh, Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix. I don't know. Is the second season are they going to be are they going to be changing it up, calling it Jupiter Circle? That's yeah, that's it. right. Each yeah. series had its own title. I bet they just keep it Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. I, I think they don't want to confuse people. I think they probably want, or maybe they they do want people to think it's a new series every time to get those big first episode views every that's time. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just the powers were never that interesting. You you were kind of taken aback by the special effects. They had this like hidden valley look to them when characters were flying or doing something that was almost distracting like you weren't like oh look at this wonderful new power this character i've never seen is displaying it it was just kind of like a mishmash of colors and energies and nothing really that interesting going on and even the main character's power set was really not very well defined at any point in the first four episodes yeah i think hidden valley is a salad dressing isn't it it is yeah it's delicious salad dressing it's not hidden valley is not as good as some of the other salad dressings that are out there though Right. Newman no, Zone. it's kind of a generic one. Yeah, I would take a Ken's or a Newman's Own over the Hidden Valley. It could stay hidden in my salad world. You know what I mean? Can Can I ask you guys an opinion on something? Sure. So it seems, and you know, having read the comic, and I'm sure you don't want to spoil it for people that are interested. I was hoping uh, it was salad dressing related, but go ahead. No, like we could talk about salad dressing separately, but. It seems like this is going in the direction of like no country for old men for superheroes, right? You know, this this generation is just wired differently and the tension that comes with that. It, is that largely different from what we see in like Kingdom Come, for example? Because it seems like Kingdom Come was kind of covering the same ground and I know it covered that ground very, very well. I just don't know if this has something different to say than what Kingdom Come said about that. I didn't read past the first trade like Jake, so – uh, I mean, I remember. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember the big spoiler of this first season, um, right at the end of the at the. I'd say like the last couple episodes, but I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's a shame. I I don't know. I I think I'm going to take your advice and check out the boys before watching any more of this. I, I think I'm out on this. Oh God, you love the boys. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Did anybody watch Dark Side of the Ring on Vice, the new season? I did. I watched the I watched the new one that came out yesterday too. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Did you watch this, Greg? I did as well. Yeah. 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 Dark- the the Brian Pillman one, right? Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. Who? Like, yeah. okay. I'll be honest with you. I I didn't know who Brian Pillman was because I. It's when I got out of wrestling. I got a. I got out of wrestling. Um, I'd say like in 1992 is like kind of like when I got out. So like all this like attitude era and all this shit jake it's like i want monday night wars <laughs> i have no idea what that is so yeah. i mean um you know i got out of wrestling but i still love watching wrestling documentaries especially when they get into this stuff and here's the thing people like if you're not into like professional wrestling that doesn't matter like these shows dark side of the ring it if you're into anything like true crime mm-hmm. you're gonna get that in dark side of the ring like the same thing, like as, and I know this is completely different, but when we did watch, when we were reviewing The Last Dance, um, you know, uh, that came out, uh, the Chicago Bulls documentary, you don't have to be into basketball, I think, to appreciate that documentary and all the things that they cover. And the same thing goes for Dark Side of the Ring. 
if you're a fan of anything true crime, you're going to get something out of these, uh, out of the Dark Side of the Ring series. This is on Vice TV. And, um, this first episode was Brian Pillman. And, uh, I, I was not familiar with Brian Pillman at all. Um, what was really cool about this is like he, he was his tag team partner at one time was Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I have been on A&E watching, uh, week to week. They've got the A&E biographies. They've been doing wrestlers. And so I, I watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin one. I'm halfway through the Roddy Roddy Piper one. They've also done a Macho Man Randy Savage one. And those are fantastic. And I can't wait to get back to those. But, um, I'm glad that I watched that Stone Cold Steve Austin one because it really kind of like dug into like his, uh, uh, relationship with Brian Pillman and them being the Hollywood Blondes tag team. And man, this, this had everything in it, man. Like they really do a great job. Vice does a great job at the decision. This is their highest rating, highest rated show. And they do a great job with this. And you don't have to be a pro wrestling fan at all, in my opinion. But, uh, Jake, what did you think about, uh, this have you have you watched the first two seasons have you caught up yes i about a month ago i i binged the first two seasons like within like three days i watched it all man that bruiser that bruiser brody episode wow yeah yeah, the bruiser (laughs) stuff was fucking every episode like even the stuff i thought i knew so much about yeah it, it was so insightful they do a good job talking to the right people. Like I love that they have Dave Meltzer on so much on, even on the old episodes, they talked to him quite a bit. Um, Jim Ross, Stone Cold in this one, like just a really like the people that were there and know what's going oh, on. Oh, Jim Cornette's on a lot. Jim Cornette as yeah. well. Yeah. And this was fantastic. Like I remember the Brian Pillman stuff and I, I remember like exactly what they were talking about, how it really bled the line between whether it was a character or this guy was just, out of his fucking mind and you know we we just love the guy because of that um not hollywood blonde era but as soon as he broke up with that and started doing the stuff like i vividly remember the uh bobby heenan stuff when he touched bobby heenan and bobby heenan kind of freaks the fuck out and walks off set like i remember that just being such a big deal and for all intents and purposes we thought that was legit like we didn't think that was a storyline so you just never knew what this character you know, what was on the page and what was him just being absolutely batshit crazy. But the stuff I didn't know was like the behind the scenes stuff with him wanting to make more money and him actually creating a bidding war between the two different companies and their Monday night shows by leaving one company and going to another company to increase how much he could make from the company he left in the first place. Like there was just so much behind the scenes. Was it part of the act? Was it you know, him just doing what he was doing. And yeah, this just had, every, this, this was a Tupperware, by the way, there was just so much to it. And then just the intrigue of all the stuff with his family. I, I hadn't known any of that. Yeah. Um, I was aware that his, his son, Brian had started doing professional wrestling in the last few years that I was aware of, but I didn't know any of the circumstances behind the different kids that he had, the different wives that he had, um, the car crash that he had. It was just a ton of new information. Even if you think, you know, everything there is to know about Brian Pillman, they, they really scour it. And wow, I, I was just blown away. I was honestly surprised that Melanie, his most current wife, when he died, 
was willing to even talk about this. Really? Stuff. Because like, they fucking interviewed her after he fucking died initially, and she had no problem with that sounding fake as all hell about the death of her husband. That's true. That's true. Dude, they fucking like- offered her whatever kind of appearance fee for this, and you know that she's probably – who knows what the fuck she's blowing that money on. I mean anything for a buck – for that she she just she just came off as the biggest fucking gold digger in this episode and ruined relationships with her children and man you can see that drugs took their toll on her yeah they really try to make you sympathetic towards her but that never really <laughs> I never. worked like i always just thought she was just pure evil yeah like her trying to separate the one daughter from her mother with really no basis or grounds of a reason to do that um, accusing her of kidnapping when she was just trying to see her child. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oof, it really made Brian Pillman's widow look like a terrible person. Greg, what'd you think? Is this your first introduction to dark side of the ring? I haven't seen it. And this is a, a, a pretty riveting documentary. Um, everything you guys said, you know, you were just talking about uh, Brian Pillman's uh, widow and look, all suicide is tragic and heartbreaking. This is one of the most tragic and heartbreaking stories of suicide I've ever heard. Uh, the absolute evil that was done to this woman and the circumstances of her suicide, the way her child was stolen from her is really absolutely tragic. And I don't remember her name, but that new wife is one of the probably Melanie. biggest documentary. Melanie. Melanie is probably one of the biggest documentary villains i have seen in a long time she's easily as big of a a villain as uh the tiger king that we saw last year yeah yeah um you know it's what's really fascinating is these wrestlers i i I am at best a casual wrestling fan my brother grew up as a intensely huge wrestling fan he still is he was always into wcw wrestling more than what at the time was wwf where I grew up in Connecticut, ironically, it was the headquarters of WWF, and you would see the wrestlers all over town and stuff. So we always had a little bit of a connection to wrestling. But somehow, so many of these professional wrestlers are just sort of like broken people. So many of them have died young. There are you know websites dedicated to all of the stories of how many wrestlers died tragically and, and died young. And I can't wait to dig into this story more. I definitely really appreciated the look at Brian Pillman. I had remembered him as Flying Brian, but I had not remembered his later career because I think I had drifted away from from wrestling. But when you think about it, it almost has like an Andy Kaufman quality to it. It's they said really, that. They said yeah. that. that he oh, was, they say that. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting stuff. So, no, I, I'm i going to Tupperware this, and I can't wait to um, – it looks like this is season three. I'll go back and watch seasons one and two. Absolutely. You'll love it. Oh, it's so it's so good. Um, I, I mean, I think that they could do – like you said, like a lot of these wrestlers have just like these tragic lives. They, a lot of them die early. I mean, I don't see any shortage of stories for this. I really don't. No, they could do ten seasons of this and still have material. I – you're absolutely correct. And did I, they do Dino Bravo out of curiosity? Yes. Does anybody know? Yeah. yeah so they, I've got to see. I mean, I know a little bit about Dino Bravo and his involvement in his passing, and that I've got to see that. Yeah, that's in the second season. They do Dino Bravo. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with Ultimate Warrior and Dynamite Kid later on this season. Those are two episodes yeah. I'm really looking forward to. I couldn't believe the story about how people were so caught up into 
whatever, whether or not it was fake or real, that they actually thought he was having plastic surgery to make himself look like Shawn Michaels to be an opponent for Shawn Michaels. Like they didn't even believe that he really had this car accident. Mm -hmm. That's how like down the the well this guy was like, yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah. And Oh my God. Anytime they showed him post, uh, you know, uh, car accident fighting in the ring. I'm just like, Oh, I was cringing. I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe he's out there and doing this. He's got to be in so much fucking pain. And yeah, they were, they were saying the guy could hardly walk in the airport, but yet somehow they were still booking him on these pay-per-view matches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean the things that people will do to provide for their families and to, to keep, you know, uh, to keep that money coming in. It's, it's tragic. Yeah. Dark side of the ring. Uh, I'm telling you, like, you don't have to be into this. You don't have to be in a professional wrestling. You don't have to be into it. These stories are just captivating. Um, I would, no, I you don't have to have vice either. You can watch all, all of it on YouTube, season one, season two, and even the new episode. There you go. Watch it on YouTube. Yeah. If you got a Roku, you can just watch YouTube right there. Um, yeah, so I Tupperware as well. I thought it was fantastic. I, I went and, I went to the theater and I saw the new uh, Jason Statham movie, Wrath of Man. Uh, mysterious and wild-eyed, a new security guard for a cash truck surprises his coworkers when he unleashes pre- precision skills during a heist. The crew is left wondering who he is and where he came from. Soon, the marksman's ultimate motive becomes clear as he takes dramatic and irrevocable steps to settle a score. It's directed by Guy Ritchie from a script he co-wrote with Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davies. It's based on the 2004 French film Cash Truck by Nicholas Boucrief. And this is uh, Ritchie's fourth directorial collaboration with uh, Jason Statham. And... Um, I'm not the biggest fucking Guy Ritchie fan. Like, I loved Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels when it came out. And pretty much have not been a fan of anything since, really. Except for, what was it? He Was it The Gentleman that came out last year or the year before? Yes. I like that. I like that quite a bit, actually. But that's, the, I mean, there's like a 20 fucking year gap. <laughs> I mean, you know, 98, that's when two smoking, uh, lock stock and two smoking barrels came out. And it's, it's basically like a 20 year gap before I like anything he's done again. And, um, he made some really shitty movies with his then wife, Madonna in that period. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, a, and I know a lot of people love snatch. I, I didn't like snatch. So what about the movie, Brian? How'd you feel about that? What's that? All right, it was a joke that didn't work. <laughs> oh, like yeah, Brian, you're fucking around. Get to the movie. That thing. No, no, no. I, no, no, I meant, no, 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 no. You said you didn't like Snatch. I was. It was a dirty. Oh, joke. Anyway, okay. The, oh, yeah. you're talking. You're talking about vagina. Yes, I am. I'm so. I'm gonna just go on mute and I will stop. No, I like. I, I like cock. You know that. I do. I yeah, do. I know you geez. love smoking pole. Yeah, lock, stock, and two smoking dicks. That's <laughs> that's what I like. <laughs> Uh, this movie, like, it also stars Holt McCallany, Jeffrey Donovan, Josh Hartnett, uh, Laz Alonzo. We talked about the boys earlier. Laz Alonzo from the boys who, uh, when we, when I got my picture taken with him and some of the other guys at C2E2, Laz Alonzo was so happy to get his picture taken with anyone. He was so happy to be at C2E2. This was, that was his first, uh, convention and the guy just like exuded 
like fucking enthusiasm. He was awesome. Uh, Chris, uh, Riley, Raul, Castillo, Diobia, Apre, Scott Eastwood's also in this, but, um, Wrath of Man, uh, I, I didn't expect much out of this movie, to be quite honest with you. You know, Guy Ritchie, I'm not the biggest fan. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be into this movie at all. Um, it's two hours. And, uh, those two hours flew by. I fucking loved this fucking movie, man. It felt like a throwback to like, it felt like a throwback to a late nineties action kind of like heist movie. It was, it felt like a throwback to, to movies like, um, uh, like, uh, Ransom and the Italian job and all those things kind of like mixed into one movie. And, uh, I fucking loved Wrath of Man. I, I'm gonna own this one. I'm gonna own this one. I really thought it was great, man. Like, he joins up, he, he, he gets hired as a security guard guarding these cash trucks. And there's a heist on his truck. And he's with Josh Hartnett. And, he fucking just goes off. And it's not like John Wick going off either. It, 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 it's just like he, it's so wild. He just very, he's very precise when he shoots people, but it's not, it's not this gung fu stuff that we're used to. It, it, he does this in a different way. He's very intimidating when he does this and he's almost villainous when he, he's going around killing and shooting these people that are trying to rob this truck. It's so wild. And the way he just walks, it's very intimidating. He just walks and he'll just pop somebody in the head. But I was just like, what the fuck? What is this guy's story? And this movie holds on to like what is really going on for quite a while. And then the second act, we like it bounces around in time and you'll see one part of the story and then it'll bounce back in time. You'll see another part of the story and then it all wraps up at the end. Kind of like a little bit like a, like a Quentin Tarantino movie in a way. But, um, I loved it, man. I, I fucking loved Wrath of Man. I, I cannot recommend this enough. If you're like craving like uh, a violent action revenge movie with a, with, with a, with a main, uh, protagonist who you maybe shouldn't root for it, you feel like you can't root for it at times, but this is the movie to watch. Jason Statham is really fucking good in it. And, um, I think Guy Ritchie did a great job in this movie. It felt like such a fucking throwback to late nineties movies. And, um, I loved it. I left the theater. I was actually, when I was going into this movie, I was just thinking about going to the theater the next day and watching too fast, too furious and being excited about that. And like, I was just like, okay, I'll just watch this. I'm reviewing it for the show. I can't wait to see too fast, too furious tomorrow though. And then the movie starts and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so into this fucking movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Josh Hartnett's great in it. Laza Lonzo's great in it. Jeffrey Donovan, like anytime Jeffrey Donovan shows up in anything, I think he just, he's really good at playing like a bad guy. And, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend Wrath of Man for like listeners out there that love a good action movie or a vengeance movie. This is one to watch. This is definitely one to watch. Um, I checked, I haven't checked um, Rotten Tomatoes in a while, but a couple days ago it was like at a 66%. It's probably gone down, but uh, 
Because that's how it is. That's how those. That's how that. The more reviews come in, the, yeah. the lower they get usually. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and I could be wrong there. It could have gone up, but it, typically it goes down with this kind of shit. But I loved this movie. I thought Guy Ritchie did a great job. I thought, I thought Jason Statham was fucking fantastic in it. And yeah, sixty-seven percent. Yeah, it went up one percent. So yeah, um, highly recommend Wrath of Man. If you feel comfortable going to the theater, I recommend watching this. If you love a good action movie, um, the third well, act it's is got Post Malone in it. <laughs> yeah, Post Malone's in it. He sucked. <laughs> Does he get shot? He sucked. So nah, I'm not going to spoil it. Just watch it. Okay. He sucked. Though. He's a shitty. <laughs> I'm in. I have to find out if Post Malone got shot. Or He's not. a shitty actor. He's a shitty fucking actor. He sucked. Everybody else is really fucking good though. Yeah, this movie surprised me. I couldn't believe how much I like Wrath of Man. Really I think fucking God, good. He's kind of on a roll for you lately. Yeah, I mean, didn't he do the uh, Aladdin movie? Correct. I liked it. I didn't hate it. I think I gave it a high tasted. I thought I liked it, and I liked the gentleman. He's come back a little bit. It took twenty. Uh, it took twenty fucking years. Yeah, he had to go to the edge with that King Arthur, and, and yeah. to be able to come back. <laughs> um. Let's see here. We've got a few more things to talk about, but we're going to tell you what. We're going to take a break. I know Jake likes those. Oh, I don't hate them. I know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. we got more good pop, bad pop. Yeah, Jake, hey, Greg, does Wrath of Man, yeah. does that sound like something you'd ever watch? Absolutely. I did jot it down. I haven't seen it, but I absolutely will see it when I yeah. get a chance. It just came out. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe how fucking good it was. I, got, I immediately got on the phone with my dad and said, you got to watch this. You'll love it. It's really good. I couldn't it believe it. sounds great. It's fucking, it's so good. I don't, Jake, I don't, you don't need to watch it, Jake. I don't think you'd be into it. You still haven't watched no, John Wick. You haven't watched John Wick 3. No, I have not. I have not. I need to though. I, I, I'm, I'm ready and willing at this point. I just haven't got around to it. I, I don't need to, I don't need to hear your taste at a John Wick 3. So don't, don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had all three John Wick movies for like twenty bucks total on iTunes recently, so That's, I picked that up. Yeah, I need. I got the first one on Blu-ray. I need to buy the second two, the next two. I got. I got to own those. I need physical copies of shit, man. I don't fucking trust. I don't trust these fucking digital platforms, these streaming yeah. platforms to to keep my movies. If they screw me over, if Apple ever screws me, I'm going to be devastated because a few years ago I decided to go digital only with my MCU stuff, and I can't, I can't bear to lose that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always Disney Plus. That's true, but then I got to pay every month. It's like I don't really own that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same, same. But I mean, if you wanted to do a marathon, you could pay for a month, watch your marathon, and be out. If they wanted fifty bucks from me today. To have WandaVision just sit in my iTunes, where I could also just watch it on Disney Plus, I would give them fifty bucks just to know it's on my iTunes. That's how well, nutty I am. Wow, Apple's got you by the balls. They do. They have me by the short hairs. Like that. Like <laughs> they got you by the. They got you by the balls like that. Fucking Chihuahua had your dick. They do. Yeah. Chihuahua's got my dick, and the Apple has me by my balls. There you go. All right, let's take a break. Be right back. You know, J Jake, if you ever do watch John Wick 3, I would like to hear about it. Okay. If you ever get around <laughs> to it. <laughs> I did. I actually did jump on that deal that Greg's talking about where um, I didn't have any of them digital and I got all three of them for 20 bucks. I've been, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting for a, a decade for you to watch any of the raid movies. It's still. Oh my God, Jake. 
You haven't seen the raid? No, no. I actually, I also bought both of those for ten bucks and haven't watched them yet either. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a, there's a, there's a, there, I could go through. I've got like I've got a, a list. There's a whole list of movies that I like that Jake will never watch. That you want me to watch next is time? It, both there's... criteria happen. Like, like I feel like I could do like a whole thing where like if I had you know like you know like uh, Pee Wee had like the magic word on the. On, on Pee Wee's Playhouse, like if you told me that you watched one of these shows, like I want, like I want, like fucking streamers and like party poppers to go off. I'm in. By next episode, I will have watched both raid movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I if you don't, next time there's C two E two, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick. You, we're gonna go to the floor together. I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna take you up to my room. I'm gonna duct tape you to a chair. And I'm going to make you watch the two raid movies, and I just want to hear you guys talk about it. Oh, depending on how that story went, I, I was thinking about not watching the raid movies. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see the raid movies. No, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to watch both of them. Is there a third one too? No, 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 no. There's only two. There's only two. Uh, the second one is long. It's like two and a half hours. Oh, okay. I'll for sure watch the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, that's a, and you see, that's the thing though. That's the thing though. I get Jake to watch these movies that are beloved to me. And then and, I'm going to be like, eh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah no, exactly. There's no way. There's no way. There is a way, Greg. There's there no is way. a way where Greg, where Jake gives him a high tasted or some bullshit. Oh, what's wrong with the high tasted? There's something wrong with the high tasted when it comes to the raid movies. The raid is Tupperware. Yes. There, there's the no Tupperware other rating. There's, there's no way Jake gives it a high taste that no way it's fucking low budget low that first movie is such low budget indonesian martial arts and it's a it's a fucking love letter to indonesian martial arts and it's fucking incredible what they did on that budget the action the choreography this kind of like bare bones story but what they pull off in that fucking movie and then when you get into the second movie and they can expand that fucking world and the second movie takes place right after the first movie like jake like you could literally watch the first movie and then the second movie is boom moments right after the first fucking movie and it just jumps right in i actually like that when sequels do that and it is – that second movie is fucking incredible. When you get to fucking like uh, the baseball bat dude and Hammer Girl, oh my god. Oh my god. Some of these <laughs> – Sounds like a spinoff. It's fucking incredible. Some of the some of the most amazing action fight scenes you'll ever see. And, and oh my – there's a fucking fight scene that takes place in a car in the second one that is just like out of – like fucking – Eco Uways is such an incredible martial artist, man. And see, that's what's going to happen. You're going to get back on here, and you're going to be like, "Yeah, give it a high taste." It. I'm gonna, oh my god! And why, my why mind. Did Gareth Evans stopped making movies. Why did he make these two super beloved movies and then just fucking disappear? Uh, he, he. They asked him like, "Are you going to do a the a raid uh, sequel?" And he's like, "I, you know, I told my story there." Right now, there is no, you know, uh, not not a raid sequel, but like a trilogy. He's like, there there is no third movie. Like this is, that's the full story that I have now. If I ever think of something else, then maybe you'll get another movie. He has come back and work on something else. He did the um, Gangs of London series that recently dropped on uh, AMC. Oh, okay, okay. He did TV afterwards. I yeah, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, man, oh man, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna hold you to that. You're gonna watch. You're gonna watch the raid. 
I mean, I already put it on my list for next week. All right. I'm watching these Fast and Furious movies every fucking week. You go, that's what we need. I need to have a segment where you watch these fucking movies I've been asking you to watch for the past fucking eight years. I'm in. I'm in. Let's blaze through them. <laughs> it's got to start with the Lone Ranger, please. No, oh, no, you're not no. Gonna make me watch that shit. I don't even Fuck care. I don't even care to hear. It's only appropriate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more good pop, bad pop. After these messages, we'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When pop culture leftovers runs wild on you. All right. Hey, we're back. And uh, I'm holding you to it, Jake. Yeah, I'm down. It's the first thing on my list. You haven't given me the list yet. This is already the first thing on it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'll give you the list. Uh, I didn't watch Fried Berry. This dropped on uh, Shutter. Did you watch this, Greg? I did. Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who, after yet another bender, is abducted by aliens. Barry takes a back seat as an alien visitor assumes control of his body, and it takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex, and violence as our alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Fried Barry is based upon the short film of the same name, which earned 57 official selections and 12 wins at festivals around the world. And Greg, what did you think about Fried Barry on Shudder? The best way I can describe this um, movie, it, directed by a, a gentleman named Ryan Kruger, this is like Sam Raimi on crack. <laughs> this is – there is no plot whatsoever to this movie, and it's not a movie that relies on plot. It's a movie that relies on an absolute assault of your senses and of your tolerance for being disgusted by things. Um, I'll tell you that. Sounds, I'm like, gonna a, give... sounds like an iTunes review we got. What's Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving this um, a high taste it, and I'm particularly interested in the direction of Ryan Kruger's career uh, career because this is a very unique sort of directorial point of view that I definitely want to see more of. I I won't say that this is an enjoyable experience. <laughs> This is something that you do experience, and I think you come out of it maybe um, – gosh, I'm trying to find the word. The, yeah, you're going to come out of it uh, with some things that stick with you for a few days. Let's just put it that way. But oh, shit. Definitely worth a watch. It is not a horror movie that intends to scare you. I would say – I don't know if it's a comedy or not. It's just a movie in which I think they spend a couple hours really fucking with you. Really fucking with you. They're gonna they're gonna show you some things that are you haven't had nightmares about things this messed up before. Um, it is definitely worth a watch, and um, can't wait to see more from Ryan Kruger. 
All right. Yeah, I might have to check this out now, man. Yeah, that was quite a sell. Even Brian's description, I was like, why did I skip this? I know. I read the synopsis. I just didn't have time to, to watch this one. I, I mean, I wanted to, there's other things I wanted to finish. I wanted to finish Jupiter's Legacy and I just didn't get to this one. But man, yeah, this sounds fried berry on shutter. I'll be checking this out, man. This sounds like something I'm, it might be up my alley. Do you think that I'd like this, Greg? I think that you'd never forget it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a couple, a couple things too, just for anybody who, I don't think anybody would be dumb enough to try to watch a movie like this with kids in the room. That being said, this thing is like rated, this is rated X. This wow. is extremely graphic. And, wow. And you see b- body parts and things that you wouldn't expect to see in a normal horror movie. This is this goes for it. Penises? You you see some penis for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You see some pre- you see penis early and uh, and somewhat regularly in this. You see penis a few times. We get yeah. we get we get uh, scattered penises appearances in this. Looking forward yeah. to this. This gets better and better. You see probably the most disturbing childbirth scene that happens <laughs> seconds after a really bizarre sex scene. And it is uh, – there are body fluids flying in many different directions while this is going on. This, this is a – this is somebody's horrible nightmare. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that someone listening to this episode just like fast-forwarded to that particular part where you're saying all that shit. <laughs> They'll never hit the 30 second skip button again. You know, like at the beginning of like the trailers now, they've got like the teaser trailer before the actual teaser trailer. Like, I want to put that at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, that's. You should. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is uh again, I I would love for you guys, you know what, t- when you watch it, text me cuz I'm dying to know what you think about it. Okay. Yeah, I will I will let you know what I think about Fried Berry. Benny loves you. Uh this is a new theatrical release. We we got to watch this one uh streaming though. Uh after the accidental death of his parents, Jack's comfortable lifestyle comes to an end as he sells the family home. Desperate to improve his life, Jack throws out all his childhood belongings, including a beloved plush animal named Benny. However, it's a move that has disastrous consequences when Benny springs to life with deadly intentions. It's written and directed by Carl Holt. It stars Claire Cartwright, George Colley, James Parsons, David Wayman, Lydia Hurahan, and Carl Holt himself. And uh, Carl Holt plays Jack in this movie, the main character. And uh, basically, this movie is basically – it's like uh, – what if your childhood – I'm a little too old for this, but like what if your childhood Tickle Me Elmo went on a killing spree, just started killing everybody that uh, that you loved or cared about because it vied for your affection and wanted you to only love it? <laughs> so, um, Greg, did you watch Benny Loves You? I did. What did you think about Benny Loves You? The, the most direct comparison I can give for this one is, is Shaun of the Dead. Um, if you like Shaun of the Dead, you'll probably like Benny Loves You. Does every joke land? Not necessarily, but enough do to make it worth your time. Uh, um, one one thing I'll point out, this is a joke probably in the first five minutes of the movie. The movie starts with sort of like the classic 
like little kid who sees something scary. It's this little girl. She sees something scary, calls for her parents. Her parents come in the room. And, you know, you've seen this a million times in horror movies. Maybe the parents dismiss the child and it sets up this plot. The parents' reaction to this is they slap the shit out of the girl. (laughs) (laughs) She's got – she literally has her mom's hand slap print on her face. On her face. And there's like a ball of spit that comes out of her mouth when they slap her. There are so many jokes like that that land extraordinarily well that I was totally fine with a few here and there not landing. I was totally fine with this having generously really, really low production value. I was really okay with the fact that nobody ever thinks to just throw Benny in a fire or something like that. They just there's, <laughs> There are leaps in logic that really aren't in the spirit of what this movie is trying to do. Um, it, you know, you may compare it, Brian, I'm, I'm, if, when you saw it, I wonder if you were comparing it to Psycho Gorman. This is apples and oranges. I don't know that this is a, like a future cult classic like Psycho Gorman was, but it was, uh, to me, a really good time. I, I would give this one a high taste it and definitely recommend that people see it. I was not comparing it to Psycho Gorman because Psycho Gorman for me is on like a completely different level. I right. love that. Like that movie took me back to like when I was a kid, just fucking like watching some of these movies that, you know, I probably shouldn't have been watching at 12 or 13 on, on USA and then going out to rent at the video store and, you know, but, um, it, it was fun. This Benny loves you was fun. I, I will, I'll give it a taste that it, it had its moments. Um, I, I do want to hear what Jake has to say about, did you watch oh, this I did, one? I did not see this. Oh, I thought you, okay. All right. So you didn't see it. Um, I thought it was fun. I, I didn't love it. I know some people are absolutely in love with this movie, but, um, I thought it was fun enough. Yeah. It's just like this little doll going around killing people. <laughs> And it's got bad special effects and it had enough funny to it, but I don't think I'd ever revisit this one again. And I don't know. I liked it enough though. It sounds like you really liked it though, Greg. It had a lot of good, you know, to be fair, I don't know if it's a movie I'd rewatch when, when I first saw, saw Shaun of the Dead, I immediately went and waited for, you know, the DVD to come out and all of that good stuff. And I don't know if I would want to see this yeah. It's it's good for a lot of a lot of good solid laughs for sure. Yeah, I love Shaun, Shaun of the Dead is a Tupperware for me. I love that. To movie. me, I would Tupperware Shaun of the Dead for sure. Yeah, and Hot Fuzz as well. I love them both. Yeah, yeah, I yeah yeah yeah. This is this is all right. This I think it's worth a watch. It's like a it's like a comedy horror, but I'm not going to put it on the level of like a Psycho Gorman or even a Velocipaster. Well, Velocipaster is not really even a horror, but I just wouldn't put it up there as far as like even the comedy. But I think it was a valiant attempt at like, like what if a Tickle Me Elmo went around killing people? So yeah, I liked it. I liked it enough. I'll give it a taste. It. That's Benny Loves You. And it's out now in select theaters and it'll probably be on VOD here very, very shortly. Um, I didn't get a chance to see this one, uh, but Greg, I think you did Things Heard and Seen. Yeah, I wish I had heard and seen a different movie. Oh um, fuck! This is a man. <laughs> a Manhattan artist relocates her young family to a historic hamlet in the Hudson Valley. As she settles into a new life, she begins to suspect that her marriage has a sinister darkness, one that rivals her new home's history. Based on the acclaimed novel by Elizabeth Brundage, and it stars Amanda Seyfried and James Norton, and it sounds like it was a turd for you. 
Yeah, you know, it's when you start watching this, you're going to wonder if this is a horror movie. It's almost sort of marketed as a horror movie. It feels like a horror movie when you look at the sort of landing page on Netflix, but it's definitely not a horror movie. This is sort of a marriage drama in which a ghost story kind of happens to be happening at the same time, but unfortunately, neither are particularly interesting. There are ghosts in this movie. There are no legitimate scares. Um, if you're scared of like a, a, a mild brownout where maybe your lights flicker a little bit, you'll get a good scare out of this one. But I doubt anybody really will. <laughs> the, the ghosts look like they came right out of, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings Return of the King. They, they have that same kind of CGI sheen, but none of the cool production design. It's just it looks like somebody dressed like Mona Lisa via PlayStation 2. Um, not very good. I think the problem with this film ultimately is that it is a character drama marketed as a horror movie and the characters just aren't all that interesting. You know, you have a husband who's a complete and utter douchebag, but we've seen this before in the shining and the shining does it a heck of a whole lot better than this. There's nothing really here that makes this movie need need to be. The performances are really solid, but from a plot perspective, you figure out pretty early that this husband's a douchebag. You start to get a sense that he's not who he says to be. That unfolds throughout the movie, but I, I, I have to toss this one, unfortunately. I just think it's not worth a couple of hours, even if you're a Netflix subscriber. I would just let it go. If you're a horror fan, please don't watch this. This is not a horror movie. This is a marriage drama that happens to have ghosts in it. Just skip it. <laughs> I, I actually watched this as well. Um, and I agree with a lot of what Greg said. I, I didn't hate it as much as he did, though. It was a low taste for me. Um, I, did, I do agree, though. It, like, I think this would have been more interesting without the ghost part. Like, The ghost stuff was almost a cop-out excuse as to why people were acting shitty when it seems like especially the main character, the George character was a shitty person to begin with. I, I'm not really sure that the ghost really accelerated his shittiness. I think he came into this being shitty. Like that's kind of the difference between this and the shining. Right. Where J Jack was kind of taken over by the spirits and the ghost to become something else that was different than his character where, where this was like the ghosts were pretty needless. Like you could have had this exact same, marriage difficulty drama without any of the ghost stuff because this this guy did a lot of deceitful stuff before they even moved into this house so yeah. jay quick question and uh, this is a modest spoiler but trust me if you're listening to this you don't care just trust me you won't care about this there's a there's a guess as to who the ghost is and i would say about two-thirds of the way through the movie you find out the ghost is somebody else but that twist has zero impact on the plot as far as I can tell. Did I miss something? No, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's like a, they're a bad guy. No, they're a good guy type of twist. And it really had zero bearing on anything that was going on. I thought this movie really fell apart in the last half an hour. I kept thinking, well, this can really be saved by a really dramatic, dynamic final act. And that was just nowhere to be found. This really lands with a thud. And that was kind of the most disappointing part about it. I think even all the meandering could have been saved by just a really exciting ending. But it was very predictable. That that was one thing. Like, you just always knew what the next step the characters were going to take was. Like, things happened that were awful things. 
but you saw them a mile away coming. So it, this was really disappointing. I have a question. Does anyone ever in this movie say, I ain't afraid of no ghosts? That does not happen. No, it does not happen. Hmm. It's gonna they be, seem very afraid. It's going to be a toss it for me. <laughs> yeah one, one interesting thing that i can point out as well is um i think natalia dyer is her name she's in stranger things and she's also in this film and all of the performances in this film are perfectly fine but she is utterly wasted she plays a college student early in the movie that gets involved romantically with the husband in the story george and I don't – she kind of just disappears about a third of the way through the movie. There's no follow-up on her story. She just exists in the movie to be slept with. Yeah, it's and okay. It, is, yeah. it was really strange. There was a moment when they were going to throw a party and the wife demands that it not just be their work colleagues, that it be their neighbors too. And the husband's like, uh-oh, not the neighbors. One of those neighbors is the college student that I'm sleeping with. And and they do make that point. Like, he gives that look like, oh, fuck, I'm screwed now, but I have to agree with this. And then that character doesn't even show up at the party or have any impact to that party whatsoever. It was almost like they edited that out. There's some weird editing stuff in this for sure where maybe they were trying to make one movie and another one came out or uh, who knows. But did, he, did he at any point say, I ain't afraid of no neighbors? He did not. <laughs> he basically, I mean, he, he he implied that he was afraid. He definitely was not. Did you get that? Am I crazy, Greg? Was there that moment where he was like, oh, shit, I have to invite the neighbor? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I, I thought maybe I missed something. But, yeah, I – oh, my God. Like, if you're going to watch this, use the uh, one and a half times, two times speed on the Netflix phone app and uh, at least cut a half an hour out of this watch. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not going to be watching this. Things not seen and heard is uh, heard, yeah, that, oh, heard and seen. Should handle this movie. Yeah. Things, <laughs> things heard and seen. I will not be watching this or seeing it or hearing any of it. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. I did not. Another thing I didn't watch this week. I'm not. I'm like. I like took the week off, Jake. Even though, even though we're back, I took the week off. Yeah, I mean, you did make it all the way through Jupiter's Legacy, though. I did. I did. But I didn't watch Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Greg, you saw this. Yeah, I saw this. I mean, a couple things. It, the, the the thing first thing you need to know is that Michael B. Jordan, as a leading action hero, just give, give me more of that. I, I think Michael B. Jordan is a very, very good leading man when it comes to just straight action films. And that that's really what this movie is. It's a traditional sort of action movie it's got obviously the espionage kind of bent to it i am not an avid tom clancy reader um i would say about two-thirds of the way through the film there's a twist that is not surprising at all if you're familiar with this genre before that point this almost feels like the prequel to the equalizer this is like a legit old school revenge film and i thought it was much better as a legit old school revenge film than it is as an espionage thriller with a twist you've seen a million times before. But either way, I thought Michael B. Jordan was really strong in this movie. I'd love to see more. Look, he is just so incredibly good in everything that he does. If Michael B. Jordan has a future doing kind of like the every two or three year action flick, sign me up for that. Absolutely. I think he's really terrific. Um, I would give this one a... 
high taste it. High taste it. If wow. you have Amazon Prime, definitely spend a couple of hours watching it. Mm-hmm. Don't watch it for the plot. Watch it for Michael B. Jordan and one of the best plane crashes you'll ever see. Did you? You didn't watch this, Jake? Did you watch it? No, I did not watch it. Okay. Yeah. I. You know what? I'm not the biggest Tom Clancy guy. I, I was intrigued because I do like Michael B. Jordan, and I want. I wanted to see how he handled as like a lead man. But I'm telling you, after Hunt for Red October, I've never seen a Tom Clancy movie that held my attention. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Tom Clancy guy either. And that's that. I think that's the biggest reason I didn't watch this one, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I, love, I, think I love Michael B. Jordan. better leaving his name off. I, I think you kind of alienate a group of people by tagging his name on the top of a movie. <laughs> yeah, the, me, me and you in particular. It, it almost <laughs> implies like that it's going to be a really sophisticated spy thriller or like military. Kind, and there's definitely some really cool sort of black ops stuff in here, but – it is still a relatively straightforward story. This is not an overly complex story. Jake, the episode that we don't show up for is going to be called Tom Clancy's Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I love that idea. It's like, it's like Brian what? and Jake aren't even hosting this week. It's going to start with somebody hacking your iTunes reviews. <laughs> we're going to think someone's doing us a favor, but then halfway through the episode, we're going to find out that there are ops. It's a twist. It's yeah. a twist. Ah, oh, Yasuki. Yasuki on Netflix. Uh, who watched this? I watched the first two episodes. I watched the. Whoa, Greg cut out. We're going to have to wait until he pops Greg back in. Mr. Robot instead. <laughs> Wait, did you hear me? No. <laughs> Sorry, I said I, I said I watched the first one. <laughs> uh, I watched. I've watched. I'm through. I'm. Th- I finished four, and I've, I'm halfway through five. Uh, it stars. Uh, it's a six episode series set in a war torn feudal Japan of mechs and magic. Uh, the greatest Ronin never known, Yasuke, struggles to maintain a peaceful existence after. A Past Life of Violence. This is an anime, and it stars um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And sorry to bother you, start Lakeith Stanfield as the voice of the Black Samurai Yasuke. Uh, when a local village becomes the center of social upheaval between warring daimyo, Yasuke must take up his sword and transport a mysterious child who is the target of dark forces and bloodthirsty warlords. And... Um, yeah, man, I'm through. I'm through. I'm six episodes, and I've got I've got like a, an episode and a half left. And man, I fucking I tupperware the first three episodes, and then like once it starts getting to like the big battle towards the end, um, it's just not as good in my opinion. Um, but maybe it'll finish strong. Maybe it'll finish strong. But man, I fucking tupperware the fuck out of the first three episodes. I thought it was fantastic. I think Lakeith Stanfield is great as the voice of this, uh, of this samurai. And, um, uh, we're seeing a lot of this where it's like the, you know, like the fucking old warrior is like, you know, taking care of the young kid, helping to take care of the young kid on like this fucking, you know, quest or whatever. We're seeing it in like the Mandalorian. We're seeing it in the Witcher. And now we're getting it again here in Yasuke. But I, I, I dug this animation. I love the theme song. Oh my God. I fucking, I, I can listen to that theme song. A hundred fucking times. I think it's great. I love it. <laughs> that fucking theme song's a banger. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, overall, I will give the first three episodes a Tupperware. I can't really rate the entire thing um, yet, but I think the action's fantastic. What do you think, Jake? I liked it a lot, too. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I only watched the first two episodes, but I, I've seen a lot of anime that's like in this like archetype where you know it's like the feudal Japan samurai war type of plot line. And one of the biggest like faults in those is usually there's not a character that you can really like latch onto or is very charismatic or you really kind of give a shit about. It just kind of boils down to it just being a bunch of cool fight scenes. And I thought this was the opposite of that, where even within the very first episode, you really latch on to the lead character. And I think a lot of that is due to uh, Lakeith Stanfeld's um, voice acting. He does a very good job um, on the dub of this. I don't know if there if there is a sub of this. I don't think so. I think it's just it, the dub. It, but yeah, it feels anime. like this was made for him. Like this role was written for him, and yeah. they asked him to do it because he, uh, wow, he really kills it, and he's a very likable character. You feel a lot of sympathy for him with a lot. Like I'm very interested in seeing more flashbacks of his character and how oh. he kind of came to get where he was. Yeah. And, You'll get um, him. You'll get him. Yeah, and I loved the the family dynamic and kind of the will he won't he help them storyline going on. You could you can kind of see both sides of that coin, like why he would just want to stay the fuck away from this, or you know why he feels like he has to has to help because of just like his loyalties and like the the oaths that he upheld, you know, back in the day. And yeah, this was this was very good. I didn't know it was only six episodes too, so I will definitely be finishing this. Man, I fucking I love the villains in this, man. I think the villains are great. Uh that fucking the priest and then the the robot and man, I, I love it. I fucking love it. The first three episodes are so fucking good in my opinion. And then I don't know, man. Maybe they'll finish stronger, but I just felt like the fourth was kind of the weakest in the series so far. But what'd you think, Greg? What'd you think, Greg? This is where Greg jumps in, tells us what he thought. And again, <laughs> I ask the question, hey, what did you think, Greg? And then like, <laughs> Greg's like, whoop. Can no, you- <laughs> Greg, we cannot hear you. <laughs> <laughs> we got a message from Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I did roll my eyes at this for the first like three minutes. Like, it was just like, oh, it's just action, action, action with a bunch of characters that I have no connection to whatsoever. But then after that first segment, it really just takes a 180, and you really just kind of fall in love with these characters. <laughs> Greg just gave his Greg ra- high-taste it. <laughs> he gave his rating and a message on Skype. I think that might be our first text message from a guest on Pop Culture <laughs> Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. wow. yeah, Greg, Greg loved it, but Greg disagreed with us. He hated Lakeith Stanfeld as, as the lead voice. He just couldn't stand the guy. Can you hear me now? Know. Greg, we're not responding to you or anything yeah, that yeah, you're Greg, saying. We'll know when we hear you because yeah. – uh, We'll be like, uh, hey, yeah, Greg, we, we can hear you, bro. <laughs> uh, Greg is doubling down on text with how much he hated Lakeith. Remember, remember that movie, things, <laughs> not, things Heard and Seen? Greg is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he's continuing to make points through text. Can you hear me now? Now he's turned into a '90s Verizon commercial. <laughs> he said, "Was it just me, or was the animation a bit blurry at the beginning?" Greg, I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that was your internet connection again. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's what you're experiencing now. 
Uh, let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll get Greg back. <laughs> back without greg yep no greg Greg. sans greg let's just talk about let's talk about the circle finale let's talk about the circle why not yeah do you want to talk about the circle and the way that they do the show jake here we go oh oh oh. it was uh, great heart emoji heart emoji hold on no hold on hold on (laughs) pcl circle message (laughs) i loved the circle finale except for the winner, hashtag. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But man, yeah, what'd you think? What'd you think, man? Of this I loved it. I actually, um, by the time we got to that last episode, who I wanted to win won. Mm. I, I was very happy with that. I thought my biggest complaint about Circle Season One is I thought it kind of mishandled the finale, and I, I thought this season did a much better job of making it more dramatic at the end when they all get to meet each other and see each other for the first time. And yeah. it was a way more exciting finale than we got last time. Uh, it may have been better results, you know, mileage yeah. may vary on this last time, but yeah. I, I thought just the production and the way the episode was handled was much better than the last season. Yeah. I, I know. I love the season overall. I just wasn't happy with the outcome. That's just me though. That's just, yeah. Me, though. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, because we all have our favorites that we root for. So, but yeah, I love. It. We're still waiting on Greg to come back. He's it's all fucked up right now. Poor Greg. I I also finished uh, Rutherford Falls. Oh, week. did you? Yeah, I watched the whole season. I, I'm going to upgrade that to a Tupperware. I I really really loved it and just fell in love with like half a dozen characters while watching that show. That's fire. You haven't watched the Raid movies, but you finished Rutherford Falls. <laughs> 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 I fucking hate you. <laughs> I fucking hate you more with with everything you finished that's not the raid. You better not tell me anything else you finished. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I watched all 20 seasons of <laughs> the, the great British Bake Off. You might, I, at this point if we we're in the same room I would be strangling you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you people love your great British bake off. I get it. I know nothing against your show. I've just never seen it. That's yeah, a great show. Oh, I bet. I I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you you're watching that one with the with the girlfriend. Oh yeah. But yeah. I, I would I would watch it by myself. Oh, this I'm definitely not like tied to the chair being forced to watch it. Okay, all right, fair enough. I just think that there's certain shows that guys watch with their girlfriends or their wives. And Great British Bake Off's one of them. The Bachelor is the other one. And then uh, what's the other one? The fucking uh, The Mass Singer. Like, unless. Oh, I cannot fucking stand that shit. Yeah, but you're wa- guys are watching that shit so they can get laid that night. I promise you. 
It's the only reason they're watching that shit is because, like, there's a promise of some pussy at the end of the night with that fucking show. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I guess when it comes to that, there's far worse shows you could be forced to watch for some pussy, but it's it's not good. I I don't – and they they just churn that shit out. It's like one season ends and the next begins. Like, I swear there's, like, four seasons of Masked Singer every year. Oh, my God. I can't – I've never seen an episode of The Bachelor – uh, I have watched an episode of The Mass Singer, and I was just like, oh, my God. <sighs> yeah, not good. Not good at all. <laughs> what the fuck is Greg doing? <laughs> There's a masked dancer now, too, which seems even more ridiculous. <laughs> How are you supposed to guess who's dancing? <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Dude, did you hear about this new fucking da- uh, dating reality show that's going to come out? And it's got – um. Uh, Michael Bolton is gonna be singing clues or something. Is this real? Yeah, yes. Hold up, hold up. It's <laughs> a, in. it's a reality dating, hold on, reality dating show, Michael Bolton. I gotta look this up. Michael Bolton and Zoe Dashanel to host celebrity dating, celebrity dating game at ABC. How are we? Oh, su- I will, I'll watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? Bolton Dashanel celebrities dating game as Bolton might croon. TV is back on its feet again. Produced by uh, this one with Bolton and Dashanel at the helm promises a wry wink at modern dating with a star studded roster of celebrity singles in their pursuit to find love. Offering a I, I love that it's celebrity singles too. That makes me really excited. Like, oh, I'm sure. Get? I'm sure these going to be A-list celebrities too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. Can't wait. What, what's her name that recently divorced Chris Pratt? Oh fuck! I'm drawing a blank. Scary She's, movie girl. Yeah. Anna, uh, Anna Ferris. There you go. Yeah, they got her lined up, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> What, 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 is Greg saying something? He's getting there. Getting there. Sorry, let's keep talking about this. Offering a spin on the classic dating show, the celebrity guest will remain a mystery as one lucky suitor is chosen from a hidden panel of three bachelors and or bachelorettes based on their answers to the celebrity's questions. Suitors will have the opportunity to guess the secret identity based on clues, questions, and special parody performances by host Michael Bolton. Oh, it's going to be like a mass singer thing where we don't know who the celebrity is. I don't know if I, I just want to know who the celebrity is and hear about the dating. Mm. Mm. What, what's the show called? Uh, what is it called? Zoe Dashnell. Uh, celebrity Dating Game. On, Terrible on, name. On ABC. That name. On ABC. Michael Bolton in this picture. He looks, ah, uh, he looks weird. He's huh. always looked a little weird. <laughs> now we're just critiquing Michael Bolton's look. I know. <laughs> oh boy, have you watched any of the uh, Name That Tune revival? No. Oh, I like it. I don't even think I watched Name That Tune. Oh, you never saw the original? I don't think so. No, I used to watch it on USA back when I was a kid. Did you watch that? that Did you watch the Jamie Foxx Shazam show? I did. It was terrible. (laughs) Beat beat Shazam, I think it was. Oh, my God. No, I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. 
I do love The Chase. I think that's a really great game show. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's just it's really. I remember The Chase, bit. the movie uh, with uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Christy Swanson. Oh, that movie's awesome. It had like Flea and Anthony Kiedis. Anthony, and they were in monster trucks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great fucking movie. And they have sex. Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen have sex in the car during a high-speed car chase. Yeah, that sounds very Charlie She Keenan. literally rides shotgun. <laughs> in that, yeah, it's true. What the fuck, Greg? Where the fuck is Greg? We're talking about the chase from 1997 <laughs> or whatever the fuck. <laughs> what are you doing, Greg? People are, Jake, people are listening to this right now. This is a thing that people have listening. Their, their ears are taking in what we're saying right now. This, this asinine bullshit that we're talking about. We should have a DraftKings sponsorship where you can go on to DraftKings and bet how many minutes until Greg gets back on this episode. Oh, no shit. God damn. All right. Hold on. I'm going to pause. All right. We're back, Jake. I don't know what to do. Still Jake, no Greg. Still no Greg. So let's, you want to, you want to listen to my Sly in the Family Zone song? <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. We'll wait for Greg. We begin to wrestle. This is from the Polite Remix, Jake. No thanks needed, but you're welcome. (laughs) It's a funky song, isn't it, Jake? I've been bobbing my head the whole time. Fucking funky as shit. I love it. Sorry about that. I, <laughs> I can't get back on the Skype at all. What? I couldn't get back on the Skype at all. On my computer, so I'm on my phone now. Is my audio? Are we recording? Yeah, yeah you're totally recording. Oh, yeah. It's really bad. It's it's fine right now. <laughs> this episode is so bad. People people have waited a week for us to come back. <laughs> Do you want me to go back in the chat and I'll chat my No, no, no. No. No, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> Greg, what's your problem with uh Lakeith Stanfield? I like Lakeith Stanfield. That's what I said in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I love I like Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, okay. 
Mm. Now you're gonna you're gonna backpedal now. I get it. Not at all. I, take, no, I realize my you might have just been reading it out of context. Oh, oh boy, God. this is this is quickly becoming a bottom tier episode. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. For, it's all my fault because my I agree. My at the bed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry about that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say thank you. <laughs> that is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done, Jake. Were you cracking up when you were making that? I imagine you were just dying. No, it it started off where I was. I heard that song uh, in my car. The uh, Frampton comes alive, and he said thank you. And I said you're welcome. And I like, and I I, I laughed to myself, and I was like, yeah. That's going to be something that I do on an episode that people will not appreciate or enjoy at all. Oh my god! Let's, uh, yeah, Yasuke. So, are, are we done talking about that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts, Craig? I don't know if you got my uh, my my chat message, but I do. I high taste it. Yeah. All right, yes, okay. It's an anime. It's on Netflix. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. I I really like it. I'm I'm going to. Uh, I would have finished it had I had more time, but uh, I'll definitely be finishing it, man. But uh, yeah, those first three episodes I thought were fantastic. I loved it. Um, Mosquito Coast. Who got a chance to watch any of the Mosquito Coast on Apple TV? I did. I saw one episode as well. All right. Mosquito Coast, Apple TV, uh, disgusted by the corruption of the civilized world, an idealistic man who is an inventor by profession, relocates his normal family to Mexico when they suddenly find themselves being tracked by the U.S. government. Why are they being chased? This is uh, based on the book written by Paul Thoreau with the same title. A movie based on the book has already been made Back in 1990, 1986, that was with uh, Harrison Ford. And uh, did, have you ever seen that movie, Jake? I have. What did you think about Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford? I did not like it very much. I, I saw it when it first came out, so I was pretty young. So I think it might have been mostly over my head. But I remember hating it. I remember like being forced to watch it. It came out in 86. I remember we rented both It and Temple of Doom at the same time. And I, I just couldn't wait for this to be over to watch Temple of Doom. <laughs> I bet. Crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, this stars Justin Theroux, Melissa George, Logan Polish, uh, Gabrielle Bateman, Kimberly Elise. And, uh, man, I fucking dug these. Uh, I, these I watched the first two episodes. I think the, the third episode probably dropped on Friday, but I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, but I, I really dug the first two episodes. Um, I'm actually going to give this a Tupperware. I, I, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I want to know yeah, more. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. I, I only watched the first episode. I, I thought it was very slow and plotting for the first half, but then the second half really just adrenaline high gear and made up for it. And I'm very intrigued as to what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. and why. Like, are you are your three episodes in? No, I, I've watched the first two. Okay, okay. Is the mystery of why they're being chased by 
these agencies solved for you yet? No, and I can't wait to continue to watch this to find out why. Yeah, it's really good. I love the dynamic between um, the family and the daughter, and you just feel so much sympathy for the daughter. She's just trying to have a normal life of a teenager, you know, where she gets to meet a guy and talk to him. Yeah. But she she can't do any of that because she can't have her cell phones traced. You know, you don't really understand why that's going on in the first half, but then you kind of realize why the dad goes off the deep end about the cell phones later. Um yeah, just a tough life to live if you're a kid. Like the parents kind of created this big mess that the kids have to pay for. And um, yeah, you, you can see how that would be really rough and a real strain on on the family. This one's great. I can't wait to see more of this. Did you get to – was it in the first – I'm blending the episodes. I don't remember first from the second. I just remember things that happened. Did you get to like the uh, he's in cuffs and she gets him out of trouble? Yes, yeah. I was shocked by that. I thought they, they really make it seem like she's just like, fuck this and just going to take off. And then what happens? I was actually like, whoa. Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Second episode, even better in my opinion. Um, I fucking I'm, I'm so into Mosquito Coast, the Mosquito Coast on Apple TV. Greg, did you watch this? <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no. I thought it was really weird that <laughs> Oh god. The book is written by Paul Thoreau and then this series stars Justin Thoreau. Are they like relatives? No, they have no relation. I, I looked into that. No relation. <laughs> okay. Just coincidence, huh? Yeah. Greg Greg put into chat that this episode sucks. He but he put into chat I saw episode one. Oh no! Can you hear me now? Yes, Jesus Christ, Craig! <laughs> what the fuck, man? Are you uh, calling from Antarctica? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Where the fuck are you? I'm obviously having some hardware problems here. You're in like you're like in the middle of a fucking like cornfield recording. What's going? On? What is going on? I don't know if you remember Al Franken when he had the big satellite dish on his head. Oh, I'll never back. forget. Yeah. Um. Are you in trouble like Al Franken was? No, I'm not. I guess I'm just probably having some good old fashioned internet problems tonight. But I was hardwired into my computer, but it just no luck. Um, did any? I, I thought of the Ozark quite a bit when I was watching Mosquito Coast. Was it just me? I didn't think of Ozark when I was watching this, but I can kind of see like the comparisons because of the family and like what they're going through. But uh, and it, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, family dynamics with this backdrop of crime. And we don't we just don't know what the crime is yet yeah. on Mosquito Coast, you know, and in Ozark, we know very quickly it's money laundering. And I think we're um, so I would give this a middle of the road taste it. But this is a pilot. You know, it's very hard to Tupperware a pilot. As as Jake knows, the only pilot that I can think of that I would Tupperware would be the pilot for Lost, which is one of the great pilots of all time, I think. But because they are relying so much on kind of the family dynamic here and we just start to get a remote inkling that there is crime, but we don't know what the crime is. It was a little hard to sort of be attached to it in the same way I'm attached to Ozark because I have three seasons of connection to the characters on Ozark. And this is again, sort of a pilot that's getting things set up. Um, So I would give it a good, good solid taste. I'll watch another episode and see if it hooks me. But um, I was a little – I wasn't as enamored as you guys were. I liked it. I'm hooked, man. They dropped two episodes, man, that first week. Yeah, so I'll have to catch the second one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was hooked. I was hooked. Let's, uh, <laughs> Apple TV continues to be such a great deal for it, five bucks a month. So fucking good, dude. Five bucks. And I honestly, I upgraded my phone, so I'm getting it for free for this year. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I got it free too. Same thing. And it's, it's worth it for all mankind, servant, this. I mean, I, I'm not watching C or I'm trying to, oh, Ted Lasso. All these shows are just fucking wolf walkers. If you didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf walkers is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, Apple TV's fucking killing it. Um, Apple, <laughs> they're killing it. this episode. Not so much. No, no, no. I would not pay five bucks a month for this episode. Oh my god, our patron patrons are just like dropping off like flies after this one. I know. <laughs> I'd be happy to reimburse you guys for any lost revenue for lost patrons because of my poor uh, internet. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just hung up with my lawyer then. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's jump in. <laughs> It fucking Greg, you came back and I, I I didn't know what to do. I was just playing that Sly and Family Stone song again. <laughs> you, how long were you playing it for? Hold on, here we go. Let's, let's, I'm gonna play probably, for, about, probably about a minute, a minute and a half. I was oh, gonna go through the whole sad. damn thing. I'll play the whole thing at the end if people want to hear it. But let's I'm gonna play, let's get, let's listen to Frampton again. Here we go. sincere as if you really do appreciate our enthusiastic gratitude (laughs) (laughs) Greg kind of sounds like a guitar solo in the middle of this song what? (laughs) I think think that's a different song oh that's a different song? yeah Okay. but I know which one you're talking about where he's basically talking through the the Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 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 raw 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 that singing. I know exactly what you're talking about now. <laughs> handy Greg comes alive. That's great, man. Yeah, you're really destroying the Handy Greg. Like it, it's really broken down the wall for me. Like I. I don't know if I can ever believe again. He's great with the wrench, but terrible with electronics. <laughs> well, I don't know if if you watch Handy Greg that, you know, I'm not very good at the things that I do on the channel. That's kind of part of the joy of it. So that's true. That's true. Let's jump into the uh, popcorn <laughs> while we've got. Oh, yeah. Let's see how that goes. Let's jump. Let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news now that we have Greg kind of semi back with us. All right, there we go. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a little news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, speaking, uh, we talked about John Wick earlier. The Continental new John Wick prequel is set in the 1970s. Keanu Reeves in talks to serve as executive producer. So we got details for the Continental. Uh, John Wick spinoff series takes place 40 years before the film's. And uh, Keanu Reeves will not be making an appearance. Lionsgate Television Chairman Kevin Baggs told Deadline that the new prequel series will focus on a younger version of Ian McShane's character, Winston, and will be set in the 1970s New York City. Quote, what we're exploring in the Continental is the young Winston and how it became to be that he and his team of Confederates found their way into this hotel, which we have met for the first time in the movie franchise 40 years later. Uh, so, 
Uh, McShane had previously confirmed that he won't be appearing in the Continental, but that he may return for some voiceover work. The Continental is a major location in the John Wick trilogy and is the Assassin's Hotel that has a rule that you can't kill anyone when inside its grounds. However, step one foot outside its boundaries and all bets are off. The studio took a lot of pitches for this spinoff series, but the one that won out was from the creative team of this obscure little show called Wayne that was on YouTube. Beggs was impressed because it solved a lot of problems and even used the Sopranos as an inspiration. It will feature a crumbling New York in the 1970s with a garbage strike that has piled up bags of garbage to the third floor of the brown of most brownstones. The mafia muscling in on that business, which is why the Sopranos and why in the Sopranos he's in the sanitation business and other things that are really real as an interesting backdrop to explore the origins of the continental Beggs explained. Um, Beggs also shared that the way they are approaching the first season is three essentially 90 minute events, which you could construe as a limited series or a limited event series. So yeah, we're at, got, I can't, like this announcement was like two fucking years ago for this continental series. And they're finally still, now they're talking about actually doing it. Well, hopefully that's good news. Hopefully that means it sounds like they heard a lot of pitches. They thought of a lot of ideas and they, they took the time to come up with the best idea. The one thing that does worry me is, woof, that's a tough job to be the guy that's got to step into the shoes of a young Ian McShane. Like that's some tough casting. I feel I feel sorry for that guy. Who the Hopefully fuck they are they gonna get? Out. Who are they gonna get? Yeah, I can't even think. I like I was trying to actually think about like who they could cast as a young Ian McShane and I'm like I can't even think about that. I'm I'm scared to fucking say Greg's name because I, I like like there's like a ninety percent chance that he's not gonna fucking say anything right it now. It says he's on the call, but uh, we've had that before. <laughs> Is this working? Yes! Oh, my God. Yes. I just want you to know I'm on a totally different computer now. So, yeah. Anyway, I've enjoyed my last appearance on Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah, it's cemented now. Um, I hope people weren't too attached to you, Greg. You know, they might have enjoyed a couple of those appearances, but I still have a YouTube channel. We'll cover that at the end. Um, Yeah. I'm getting really teared up because Greg is one of my favorite guests. I'm going to miss him. Well, yeah, we always have the recordings that we can just replay over and over, you know? Mm. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think this sounds like a great concept. I can't wait to see it. You know, there's definitely a lot of lore when you watch the John Wick movies that you feel like you can dig into. Why why are the rules the rules that are in place? Um, You know, what, what led to those rules needing to be established? What's the history? Obviously, in McShane's character is one that you want to really dig into. So, no, I think this is a great concept, and yeah, yeah hopefully, it's worth the wait. Yeah. Uh, last we knew, it was supposed to premiere on Stars. I they did not mention the network at all in this new article, but um, last we knew that this was going to be a Stars series. So, I don't know if it's still planning on being on Stars, but uh, I'd have I. I would think that they haven't lost the rights to it. I think it probably still appear on stars. I think, yeah, if the show's good, this could be a, this could be a good get for stars. They need it because they keep canceling everything that's good on that fucking service. Ash versus evil dead and American gods. So really not, (laughs) really not a lot else there to be quite honest with you. No, it'll be a big hit at first. And then by the, 
third season, they'll cancel. They'll cancel it by the third season. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to the cancellation in in, in the future years. Uh, news from Collider. Noah Centineo exits Masters of the Universe movie at Sony. I'm lit in the back of my head, Jake. I'm thinking about how terrible this episode is. Oh, it's impossible not to. <laughs> I just want to say in my own defense that sometimes when bad things happen, it makes the episode even better. So this is not, this not, is not, one, of those not one of those moments. I'm going to say this is in your top half. No. This is top 50%. No, 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 no. It's not. Um, this, <laughs> this is really Bottom bad. 25%. It's really bad, Greg. Style. That's not good. I, I, I love the positive vibe that you're trying to give off right now, but it's, I'm, I'm slapping it away. We've got <laughs> so much great news to cover though. We're going to, it's going to end on a high note. <laughs> Jake and I have a lot of great news to cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still very much up in the air and questionable that you'll be there for any of it. <laughs> and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the news that we're about to cover is Noah Centennial exits Masters of the Universe movie at Sony. You could exit this episode at any time, and Jake and I won't know until we ask for your opinion. Can I just – maybe I'll just take a picture of my notes with my cell phone and post it to Facebook. And people yes, and that, that'll put this that'll put this episode in the upper half. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Greg. Exactly. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, just put timestamps so we know when you're coming. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Noah Centennial exits Masters of the Universe movie at Sony. Aaron and Adam Nee, uh, they were the directors of Band of Robbers, are slated to write and direct the movie, which has seen numerous writers tackle the script over the years. David Escoyer wrote an early draft, as did Christopher Yost and Iron Man scribes Matt Holloway and Art Markham. Centennial had been nearing a deal to play Prince Adam, a.k.a. He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe who must fight the evil Skeletor to save the planet Eternia and protect the secrets of Castle Grayskull. He is no longer attached to that project, a representative for Centennial told Collider on Thursday, though no reason was given. Um, he's going to be playing a character in the who, – who's going to play the, uh, uh, the Atom in uh, – in the, the is it the Black Adam movie or the Shazam movie? The Shazam sequel. I don't even know who he's playing. I think it's in the uh, Shazam sequel. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but uh, no Centennial. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about the Greg thing. You know how um, VH1 has like pop up videos. We need like that for this episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. Like little noise, you know, bloop, and the Greg. <laughs> oh, he's gonna be in Black Adam. Oh, okay. With The Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to be in that movie. Yeah. Is he playing Ray Palmer? Is it Ray Palmer? <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, Adam Smasher. He's playing Adam Smasher. Uh, Greg, let's get your thoughts on Noah Centennial exiting before you exit this episode. He didn't look anything like He-Man or Prince Adam, and I think that's what was really frustrating at the time of the casting um yeah isn't that the thing though isn't hold on here we are here this is this is this is where we are with this shit hold on like that we get a casting for somebody that's playing somebody and we're like ah fuck that fuck that and then we get like one instagram photo of them at the gym working out and they're all jacked and buff and we're like yeah 
I don't remember seeing any Instagram photos because he didn't look strong in any. He looked scrawny to me, and he had short black. I know they can slap a wig on that dude, but I just couldn't envision this dude as he man. Was there a gym photo that I missed? No, I'm just saying that's where we are right now with this kind of shit. Like that's what happens. Yeah, so I I wasn't set when I saw the news. I went, oh, maybe they'll get somebody that probably is better for the part. You know, and look, I don't even know if it needs to be. I, I would actually say I'd love to see someone um, of a different ethnicity take on the character of He Man. It just just needs to be somebody who's jacked. That's what's really necessary. I mean, those action figures were muscle bound beyond human comprehension. You need somebody who's really big and built in that role, and he just didn't look the part. No, no. I I, I always when I, when when the I'm happy that he's gone, to be quite honest with you. I'm just saying, like, that's what happens, though. It's like we get these castings, and then all of a sudden we get this Instagram or a tweet or something like that. We see these people in the gym, and they're all jacked and shit. And we're like, oh, now, okay, I'm behind it now. All right. They've been working out. They've been doing the... They, they've been doing this fucking workout. I'm, I'm you know... I, I, yeah, we didn't get there with this guy yet, but I, I he's been in a couple of those... Uh, rom-coms on netflix and i was just like man they're just, they're not taking i don't know how seriously can you i, I guess i do want to take he-man seriously though right i don't need like a christopher nolan version of he-man but i do want him to take it a little bit seriously you know what i mean i agree it's got to have a little bit of humor but not like full-on like slapstick yeah yeah I, the, the other one was so goofy like the one from our childhood was way too far on the goofy side and it just ignored all the mythology we knew and like created its own mythology yeah it didn't it doesn't hold up well like if if you were ever hoping for an explanation as to why he-man had half a sword and skeletor had half keep looking because it ain't in the cartoon at all you know i think they pretty much abandoned that idea from the toys but um no i you know i really grew up he-man was sort of like the first toy line that i ever Ever collected i loved i loved he-man guys and i actually bought have you seen the new reissued ones they sell it like you can get them from walmart yeah they're yeah. really cool yeah. they have the original comic book reprints and everything they're awesome and you know it's like the exact same proportions as the old figures but their elbows and knees bent just a little more articulation but they're they're a lot of fun you know i'm, I'm really curious sort of what netflix's aim with this is because they're also doing the animated approach with kevin smith uh i believe right yeah so and he's gonna make a live action and animated yeah he keeps teasing that we're gonna get photos and stuff like that pretty soon i know bear mccreary's doing the music and yeah i mean so um i'm hoping for the best for that i'm i just you know Every week on Fat Man Beyond, Kevin Smith is teasing that, you know, next week we're going to hear something from Netflix and another week goes by and we don't get anything. So hopefully soon, I, as I, you know, unless I've missed some new information, but I haven't seen anything come out of that other than what I've been hearing from Kevin. But, um, yeah, they, they showed a bunch of toys back in late February associated were- with the, with the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't even seen those. The um the target audience for this thing, I mean, He-Man fans are well into their 40s by now. That's yeah. why I think you guys are right. I mean, and granted, it might be the kind of thing where parents rediscover it and show it to their kids. But I do think it has to be a little more serious than what we saw in, uh, you know, in the past and in, in, partic- in and the it, cartoon, obviously. It can be. There was a there was a Masters of the Universe 
origin of Skeletor comic that came out in 2012. It was just a one shot comic and it's the origin of Skeletor. And my God, it is fucking incredible. It is the highest of Tupperwares. It's a great comic book. And like, you can take elements from that comic and put them into this movie. Like if the movie starts off and gives us kind of like a cliff notes version of like the origin of Skeletor, you know what I mean? Before they give us like the big fucking like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe logo, they could give us like a five minute origin story of uh, Skeletor that was taken straight from the comics and it would be amazing. But um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hopeful now that they'll find the right casting for this. Cause I don't think Noah Centennial is the right guy for this from the beginning. I thought it was a terrible casting choice. And I know it's like, I mean, who do you cast though? I mean, our choices are very limited. I've been saying Chris Hemsworth for years because I, there's no other names to really yeah, put out there to Thor adjacent. But I, I see why you would think that. Well, I mean, you know, you've got, the Rock has played so many big fucking tough guys and shit over the years, you know, and I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of like who you want in there to, to take this on is like a big guy like Chris Hemsworth. But that's the only name I can think of, Jake. There's really nobody else. Yeah, I no. do. Yeah, I, I do have. I'm sorry, Jake. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I do have a suggestion on the animation side, though. I think they should totally go for Frank Langella to do the voice of Skeletor because as bad as that live action He-Man movie was, that dude went all out for oh, yeah. that role, you know? Yeah. He he deserves another shot with a better sort of script. Um, I would totally hope that he gets a shot. I think he's well into his 80s now. I don't, I don't know if he's up 80, for that kind 83 of... years old. Wow. But he wanted that role so bad, and and he's the only redeemable part of that movie, really. When you think about it, the, the voice, the voice cast in the animated version is insane. They've got uh, it is crazy. They've got uh, um, what's her name, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh, is she Tila? She's uh, Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn. Okay, that works. So yeah, is it Mark Hamill in it too? Yeah, Mark Hamill's in it as well. Yeah. As yeah. Skeletor, right? Uh, I'd have to check on that. I'm not 100% sure. Yes, yes. I'm I, I got to tell you, Jake, I'm looking at the image of the toy right now, and I'm going to I'm gonna pre-toss the look for He-Man. He's way too armored. The whole idea behind He-Man is that he doesn't need to wear all this crap because he's just so insanely, insanely strong. He's a dude in underwear with a big-ass sword. And this guy's wearing, like, a big metal shirt and long pants and boots with lights on him. It's ridiculous. I'm yeah. not a fan of this look. I don't like it either, now that I'm looking at Sarah it. Sarah Michelle Geller is Tila. Alicia Silverstone's in it. Kevin Conroy's in it. Henry Rollins, Justin Long, Stephen Root. Jason Mewes, of course. Jason Mewes plays Stinkor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, Tony Todd, nice. Oh wow, that's crazy. Mm. So yeah, great, great voice cast. I, I can't wait to see that. I think this episode's being held hostage by Greg's internet. I know it sounded like we were sponsored by Pop Secret the last time he was talking. Did you hear well, that? It's oh really yeah, bad. it was. It was yeah, it was totally. It was like a Jiffy Pop thing going on. 
there was a yeah. crackle? Oh, big time, big time. Like more like, crackle the than the whole time you were talking, there was like yeah. this like nonstop bubble wrap noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Maybe it was my beard. It could have been the microphone being No, no, it definitely not a beard. Mm. No. 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 Does it sound bad now? No, it sounds no, fine it sounds now. Perfect. But All that's right, that's what, that. Yeah, but that's like part of the not the fun with this episode. It's part <laughs> of the <laughs> Part of the frustration. I yeah, think, yeah. It's but, and then there's this point where like the guest is like, well, you know, like if if I'm ruining it for you, then I'm just going to leave. And like we're not there yet with you, Greg. So don't throw that out there. That'll just totally shit on this episode completely. We're gonna hang with you, dude. We're gonna do this. I, I appreciate that. You know, I love this podcast so much, and the last thing I ever want to do is is screw up an episode. You know what I mean? I know, but like you're making that a reality. So it's that's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I only have one. I only have. I got one choice for cable where I live. It's Frontier. That's it. Oh my you know, god! Frontier is like Frontier is like that's like old people internet. You know what I mean? Like, well, they call it Frontier because it's the same internet they used when we settled the Frontier back in the 19th century. <laughs> no shit. Oh my god, yeah. Frontier. That's like if like the Golden Girls were still alive, they'd be using Frontier. Yeah, so I, you know, but I got the Euro system, and and you know when I got it, I, I learned I got it all hardwired, and it just it just didn't work out, you know. <laughs> well, we 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 know. <laughs> we need to get a new a new a new microphone and some nice headphones for when I'm on and stuff like that, you know. But it doesn't matter the equipment you have; it doesn't. It really I'm just does. gonna have to sell my house. That's it. That's the only <laughs> yeah. solution. You're gonna have to move. I'm gonna just have to move. move my whole yeah, family. yeah. Honey, we gotta go. We gotta go somewhere where they don't just offer frontier. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, shit! I hope my kids like going to a new school. <laughs> oh. Well, I hope your kids enjoy being able to get on Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, and then Noah Centennial leaves Eternia. We've got Hannah John Kamen entering Hycarnia, and uh, we have our Red Sonia. Finally, it's been over a decade, but we do have our Red Sonia, and this news comes from Dark Horizons. Ant-Man and the Wasp villain Hannah John Kamen has been cast as the title character in the new Red Sonia film at Millennium. And uh, Joey Soloway is helming the long gestating sword and sorcery feature from a script he co-wrote with Tasha Hua uh, from Netflix's animated Tomb Raider series. Did I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Is that a thing? Has that come out yet? I not that I know of. I don't think it's even out yet. That doesn't even like like I think people would know if there was a Netflix animated Tomb Ra- Tomb Raider series. Like that sounds like it's coming soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So yeah, uh, yeah. We've got our Red Sonia, Hannah John Kamen. Thoughts? (laughs) Who was she in Ant Man? She was the villain, dude. She was that uh, the ghost. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. In the second one. Yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. First one was called Ant Man. Second one was called Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's like really Jake have, had a stroke or something. I know. I have no opinion on this, really. I mean, that Ant Man and the Wasp really didn't showcase her too much or enough for me to have any opinion on how good of a Red Sonia she would be. 
she's definitely not like she doesn't. I, apparently, she's going to have to buff up for the role. I would think. I think so. I'm I'm a Red Sonja fan, though. Like, and this goes back to like the old Brigitte Nielsen movie, and then also, you know, within the last decade, I've been reading the Red Sonja comics, and uh, she definitely she definitely needs to beef up a little bit, and I think she will, man. I think she will. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of this actor to give you like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's like I'm right right now. Um, I'm kind of just it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see, man. Yeah, much like Greg's audio, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Oh my god, this, uh, yeah. I I think the casting is exciting. I really loved her in Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, I also I, I loved Red Sonja when I was a kid, Brian. Um, I love the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it, and I always thought that he was really like Conan with a code name or something because I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we am got, I, um, is, am I, is my audio bad again? <laughs> oh, so bad. Oh, man. This is really frustrating. <laughs> man, these, these conversations are just flowing. Maybe I should just... Uh, <laughs> the chemistry. Can I go on mute for the rest of the episode? <laughs> yeah, let's go back to text, Greg. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Let's get another guest on to be Greg's interpreter. So at least it's not just us reading what Greg is saying, you know? I feel like get someone with a good not, audio connection. I feel like, like, you know how in the movie when the person is nervous to go on the date and they don't know what to say, but the, their friend is like whispering in their ear and the, and the electronic device? So basically like the Roxanne movie with Steve Martin. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's a trope, though. We've seen that. That's not the only movie they do that trick on. Greg, if they ever come out with a, if they ever reissue the speak and say, bro, you are the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Caliente, phone home. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, boy. <laughs> snot is a little bit there during Greg's last speech. Uh, Greg, please don't continue to send messages because that audio of the message comes through on the episode and i gotta i gotta hear it the entire time oh no oh uh, jake what are we let's pause <laughs> what to yeah. do? i don't know what to do <laughs> i don't know what to do fucking old school Damn, these beats are so fresh. Snap! All right, we're back. We're back. <laughs> At least two thirds of us, RJ. Yes, yes. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I've got a major echo going on. Is Greg got speaker turned on or something? No, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I was, I was double fisting Skypes earlier just to make sure one worked correctly, but I'm not doing that anymore. Why, why are we back? Why are we back? <laughs> there was no echo though before we came back on, right? Jake? No, no, there wasn't. This is but... so bad. 
Should we just start drinking? Oh, oh I've been, I have been. Oh my, yeah. Like seriously, we should just just get pissed drunk. I think this is going to be the episode where I start drinking. Uh, let's move into let's move into Marvel news. Marvel news. Oh man, I was half expecting the the Marvel news to turn into a robot there at the end. I, yeah, it's like I'm going through PTSD <laughs> with 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 this fucking robotic bullshit. Like, like once I go out into the real, I accidentally talked into a into a fan and I about fainted. Like once I go out into the real world, like if my fucking like like my mailman comes up to me, I'm gonna be half worried he's gonna start talking like a robot and shit. <laughs> we uh, saved all the robot talk for the uh, Mitchell versus Machines yeah, review. The, le- the leftovers versus the machines. Yeah. The speak- speaking of Mitchell's versus the machine, we we have an interview here with a machine. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, machine. Um, got a Marvel email here from Nate Ria. Hey guys, I picked up a Marvel Legends Tony Stark AI figure today, and it's from uh, the Shang-Chi line that recently released. What are your thoughts on seeing AI Tony Stark Iron Man in an upcoming MCU film? Thanks and hope you are doing well. Uh, I, I, I've seen this, uh, this figure on the shelves, actually, and uh, it is part of the Shang-Chi line. Uh, are we to believe that we're getting a Tony Stark AI in the movie? You think this is happening, Jake, or do you think this is just part of the toy line? I don't think it's happening. I think it's just part of the toy line. I mean, I could be wrong, but usually with all these legend series, even when they're tied to a movie, there's like one or two toys that are just kind of inspired by the movie and not so much based off of. Greg. Yeah. I mean, in this set as well, you get what, what they're referring to as modular Iron Man. So this is Iron Man. Um, it was designed by an artist named Kevin Hopgood. It's the Iron, the same Iron Man suit that was used in the nineties cartoon, right? It's the same Iron Man suit that's in Marvel versus Capcom. If anybody remembers that game and that suit was actually piloted remote by Tony Stark when I think he was comatose or something like that. So I, I think there's always the possibility that they get, Robert Downey Jr. to do like voiceover work and they have him be AI. But when there's such a perfect character death like that, it almost just feels like they should let it be. Um, I'm not sure that they should go that direction, though. They, I guess they always could if they wanted to. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't predict any kind of story throughput from the Marvel Legends line based on the fact that we got two differences now based on what yeah. figures are coming out with. I'm usually like I'm totally cool with like certain characters. You know, it's kind of, it's based on comic books. I'm certain I'm, I'm cool with certain characters coming back even after they die. Like the the whole Loki thing. I thought that that you know, even though that death was like you know pretty pretty fucking cool. I'm fine with Loki coming back. He's like you know he's the god of mischief, man. It just makes sense. But like with the way that Tony died, that's that's like on another level, right? And uh, even even just to bring him back as AI, I don't know. I, I guess it could happen. 
Like, I, you know, I, before this, like there were still rumors about it happening possibly in, uh, in the, uh, Ironheart series. But I, I think it would take away from the, the Shang-Chi movie to have Tony showing up in any form in the movie. Even, even though he's so much associated with the Mandarin character. Yeah, I don't really want to see this movie connected to the MCU that hard until like the end of the movie. I, I want this movie to breathe on its own and then we smack this character in with the rest of them. Yeah. Oh God, can you imagine that? Oh dude, I fucking saw, what was it? Somebody fucking had an article on Reddit that popped up while we were recording. John Campia claims that Marvel Studios has over 20 MCU projects in the pipeline that we don't know about, including Avengers 5 and Eternals 2. I believe it. There's no way they're not thinking of what they're going to do with Avengers next. No way. Yeah. Do you think that we're going to get an Avengers movie in, in Phase 4? No, I don't. No, This will be the first phase without an Avengers movie. Yes, I, I I think we're gonna we're gonna pause on the Avengers and it's gonna it's gonna come back in five. Are we gonna get like a big event film in Phase Four, or is it Phase Four gonna end with the Fantastic Four? I think I think it will end with the Fantastic Four. I don't think we're gonna get that big event. I think this is kind of a putting together all the pieces phase, introducing lots of new characters and concepts before we smack them all together again. Oh man, what do you think, Greg? It's really bold if you think about it from a, like a Disney shareholder perspective because they're like, hey, why wouldn't you just mint $3 billion every two to three years, right? But I think Kevin Feige could get away with what exactly what Jake is saying, which is let's wait until the story is right. Let's build up demand, and then maybe we do three movies in five years, you know, but we have to wait till the right time. What I'm really curious about, it seems like they're laying the groundwork for Young Avengers, it seems like they're laying the groundwork for Thunderbolts, which they could call Dark Avengers if they want to. It, yeah, like, it definitely could be Dark Avengers. I, I've yeah. seen a lot of people saying it's not going to be Thunderbolts, but it could be Dark Avengers. Why and, not just call the Thunderbolts Dark Avengers? You make a lot more money that way. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter. So I'm, I'm really curious what their approach is. And I'm also you know, really curious just in terms of the contracting. I presume they have Anthony Mackie locked up. I have no idea. Is Sebastian Stan in the mix? They got him guess. on. They got him. They got him early. They they saw what well, happened. They got him to like a nine picture deal. They got him to a nine yeah. picture deal. They saw what happened with Chris Evans. They offered Chris yeah. Evans a lot more pictures to start off with, and he took them down a little bit. And so they snatched Sebastian Stan to a nine picture deal. Yeah, so what characters are in the mix is really intriguing. I would think if Shang-Chi is successful, he's an Avenger. I, I'm i just going to say it. I think it's possible Deadpool's an Avenger. Who knows? Oh, shit. I, you know, it, it just – they there's so many different directions that they could go. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I actually – I'm going to side with you though, Jake. I think despite what must be a lot of pressure on Kevin Feige, I do think we won't see an Avengers movie in Phase 4. I think they'll wait. But I think once we see Avengers, um, I guess this would be Avengers uh, 5, I think we'll see 5, 6, and 7 within a five-year uh, period of time. I agree with that as well. It'll be much like Infinity War and Endgame, that once we build up to that point, we're going to get a couple, if not three. I mean, we're still in Phase 4 by 2022. 
Phase four is a long phase because of COVID. I mean, I think we're getting, what, six movies and or th- five movies in six months, though, at some point soon. We're getting a ton of movies. Well, I mean, this year we're getting four. We're getting Black Widow, followed by uh, uh, Shang-Chi in September. Uh, then uh, in November, I believe it's November, we're getting The Eternals. Yeah. And then in December, we're getting Spider-Man 3. So we're getting mm-hmm. four in the span of just like, yeah, like six months. From July to December. And, uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of movies. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I mean, it's been so long since we've had one. I, I, I think four in a year is warranted. Yeah. Yeah, also within this whole thing, too, is do we start to see some of the seeds of the X-Men? And obviously we're starting to sort of get more teases about the Fantastic Four and – are they intentionally kind of sitting back off the Avengers to sort of build up demand for these other iconic super teams? Maybe. Who knows? Well, what do, I mean, if they are building a Dark Avengers, what does that mean for the Avengers themselves? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I think there is a there's a huge chance that we might not get a, an Avengers movie in Phase 4. That we might phase four might be the first phase without with without the flagship movie. The Avengers movies have been the flagship films. You know, I guess you could consider Iron Man three a flagship film because it made a bunch of money. But as far as like traditional flagship films, it's like Avengers, Age of Ultron, and then we're talking about Infinity War and Endgame. Like those are like those are the big ones, and we might yeah, especially not- those last two. Those last two really felt like. They were the end of every storyline from every previous movie, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think Avengers, I think Avengers for its time, though, was huge. It was huge. Oh, oh, I agree. It, you yeah. know, it was still kind of taking every character we've seen so far and putting them in a movie together. Like, yeah. there wasn't, when Avengers 1 came out, there was no other MCU movie characters that were excluded from that. Yeah. Real quick, uh, did you guys see that article from uh, Rolling Stones where Kevin Feige confirmed that at one time Doctor Strange was going to be a part of WandaVision? I, I did, did see that. Yeah, he was the one that created those commercials. I read that as well. Yeah. And did, yeah, I was wondering too if that had anything to do with Paul Bettany's now sort of infamous teaser about the actor he always wanted to work with and himself was never the sort of intent there. He just oh. used that as. I no, I think he was trolling us. Okay, I'm sure he hasn't. He worked with Benedict. Yeah, I mean they worked together in fucking uh, Infinity War, right? Uh, I guess that's right. It's just hard to know who's ever on screen at the same time and who's not. You know, (laughs) especially with Cumberbatch, was he even at that funeral or not? We'll never know. Right. Hey, on the it's interesting on the on the um, on the Avengers thing, you know. Captain America, the first Avenger, made three hundred and something million dollars, under four hundred million worldwide. Any solo Marvel film, I think at this point is probably going to make a billion dollars. Like I think Eternals might make a billion dollars. Shang Chi might make a billion dollars. I don't Widow know. Definitely will. I don't. I, I, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about theaters. Oh, you're right. You're in, right. In a, you're right. You know, post COVID. I mean, not post COVID. We're like we're still in it. Like, so people are. I mean, I know people are getting vaccinated and everything, but I don't know if we're back to billion dollar movies just just yet. 
Yeah, especially with Black mm. Widow kind of diluting some of its money by being on the Disney Plus thing, too. And they'll never reveal how much they make off of that. They ne- they didn't reveal it with Mulan, so they won't tell us how much they make off of the Disney Plus premium editions. Yeah, yeah. Black Panther 2 title, we got it. It's going to be uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And um, what do you guys think about... Uh, when I first read the title in the morning, I'll be honest with you, man. I was just like, it was gonna, it was a gut punch for me. Like it was a downer because it's just like a reminder that he's not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And the but, but the more I sat on it, and the more it, the more it sat with me, the more I kind of like realized like it's it's it is gonna be a you know, how they're going to be handling the loss of Chadwick Boseman and, and, um, you know, what Wakanda forever means. And, and, um, so it grew on me. It's just, I think like that initial, that fucking initial, when I first read it, I was like, fuck, I don't know if I like that title or not. And then it grew on me, but, um, I'm going to get to some quotes here from Lupita Nyong'o about uh the sequel but uh what what did you guys think when you first heard the title and and uh and everything Jake Yeah I really loved it when I when I saw the title I watched it on that Marvel like sizzle reel and yeah. saw the articles posting you know the reveal and everything I it really struck me and it, it really kind of gave me goosebumps that that was the direction they were going to go in and just even in the title kind of give you that acknowledgement of the situation they were in and I don't know. I can't think of a more perfect title for the movie than what they went with. I, I love it. Yeah, it, I I wasn't there when I first saw it because it, it, it was kind of like like confirmation that yeah, like the, it's no more T'Challa. And it, man, it it you know for as much as I don't want them to recast the character, it just kind of like it's real now. It's real. It's real. Not to say that like it wasn't real when when it all happened and everything. But now, now that it's out there, it's like, yeah, this is real. So it was hard. It was hard. It was a hard, if <laughs> that morning sucked, um, the title has grown on me since though. Greg. I think it's a, I think it's one of those titles that strikes a perfect note because it starts to show us a, a little bit of a way forward. It's it's basically projecting that the story is now about the cast. And it's doing it also, I think, in a way that is very respectful of Chadwick Boseman. I, I, I quite like the title. And yeah, it's a gut punch for sure. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a gut punch. But I think the title is simple and poignant and I think it works very, very well to help give us a glimpse of the direction that they're that they're going. Yeah. What one thing that I was a little bit confused by is there were rumors and I don't know how well-founded those rumors were that we were getting some kind of Disney plus series about the supporting cast. And is, does this mean that's not happening? Does no, that's mean- still happening. We're, we're getting a Wakanda series. We just don't, we don't know anything about it. Yeah. So it's, it's just, um, I, I'm really curious. I think as everybody else is who ends up stepping into that lead role. I know everyone says, Shuri, I, I get it. I, I'll tell you, for, for me, for what it's worth, I know that her character is not of royal bloodline. I would prefer to see Denai Guerrero as Okoye as Black Panther than Shuri right now. 
Um, I'd love to see Shuri take the mantle at some point, but I think Okoye would be an amazing Black Panther. Um, but I, yeah, we'll see. I think we're all asking the same questions, and man, does Ryan Coogler have quite quite a burden to bear with, with yeah, this movie. I, I'm not envious of that dude. No, I hope the reveal of who the next Black Panther will be is a reveal that we get within the context of the movie. Like, I, I really don't want this to be something that we find out from an Entertainment Weekly cover or, you know, just some kind of article. Like, I really want the story to dictate what's going to happen and us to find out through the story who's going to wear that mantle. The like, only I, way I that hap- the only way that happens, what you're saying, is if they film different versions of different people in the Black Panther costume. That's the only because to get people off the scent of who the Black Panther is. That's the only way. Yeah, and I think they're capable of doing that. I, I, they've held their secrets before, and I, I really want this to be one that they have to that level. Like, I want this to be Avengers Endgame level of secrecy. And I really want the movie to tell us what's going to happen. Is it going to be somebody that we've seen before? Is it going to be a character that we've seen before? Is it going to be Denai Guerrero as Okoye? Is it going to be, you know, um, Winston uh, Winston Duke? Is it going to be um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya? Is it going to be, you know, Le- Le- uh, not Lapita Nyong'o, but uh, who's the actress that plays uh, Shuri? I can't think of her Letitia name. Wright. Letitia Wright. Is it? I mean, like... Is it going to be somebody we've seen before? Or are they going to be casting somebody completely new within Wakanda? I think it will be someone we've seen before. I think that would be hard to get fans to swallow a completely brand new character. So. Yeah, I know there were those Casper Cole rumors, right? Um, and boy, I again, if I don't envy Ryan Coogler, I really don't envy whoever's a new a new cast member trying to be the black panther even if they're not t'challa that's um that's tough that's not a role i think a lot of people would want to play yeah 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 uh news from cbr.com um black panther 2 actor lapita nyango opened up about her complicated feelings over returning to film the sequel following the passing of star chadwick boseman she spoke to yahoo about the experience of gearing up for the next film with last year's loss of Bozeman still so fresh. People will ask me, are you excited to go back? Excitement isn't the word. I feel like I'm in a very pensive and meditative state when it comes to Black Panther 2. His passing is still extremely raw for me, and I can't even imagine what it will be like to step on set and not have him there. The article goes on to say, not only will the cast and crew be dealing with the loss of Bozeman, but writer and director Ryan Coogler will also need to contend with a story reason for T'Challa's absence. Marvel has claimed they will not recast T'Challa, despite some fans wanting the character's legacy to continue with a new actor. What isn't yet known is how the story will address T'Challa, but Nyango touched on the process. She said, but at the time, we have a leader in Ryan who feels very much like we do, who feels the loss in a very, very real way as well. And his idea, the way which he has reshaped the second movie, is so respectful of the loss we've all experienced as a cast and as a world. So it feels spiritually and emotionally correct to do this. And hopefully, what I do look forward to is getting back together and honoring what he started with us and holding his light through it. Because he left uh, us a lot of light that we're still going to be bathing in. I know that for sure. And um, 
Those were Lupita Nyong'o's thoughts on this. She says it's going to be very respectful. And um, we, we've got to wait two years as fans of this franchise to find out exactly what Ryan Coogler has in store for us for Black Panther 2. Uh, the movie comes out July 8th, 2022. And uh, that that first movie... It meant so, I mean, it, it meant a lot to me, but like there's a whole group of, of people where, and I'm talking about black people where like this, this, this character and this movie and the way that Marvel and Feige and Chadwick Boseman and everybody that was involved like handled this movie with a predominantly black cast. And, uh, this is still like early on, like we, like, you know, like, (laughs) and it's crazy to think like Jake, like, it's like, like that movie comes out, was it 2018? Was it 2018 or 2019? 2019, I think. I'm looking it up. Um, that we hadn't seen like a movie like 2018, like we hadn't seen a movie like this with like a predominantly black cast with a with a superhero, we'd never seen anything like this, uh, before how long it took to get something like this. And then for it to be such a huge hit, like this is a movie, Jake, I saw in the theater five times. I saw it five times in the theater. I fucking, I love this movie so much, but like, you know, like this movie, this movie was made for, this movie was not just made for like, you know, comic book fans. Like this movie was made for, this movie was made for um, black fans that have been wanting someone that represents them on the screen for fucking years, and they finally get it, man. And it, it, what's so hard about this is that that we we as fans we didn't know what Chadwick Boseman and his family were going through this whole time, and then we all just got hit with like this huge loss of of Chadwick Boseman, and. Um, Man, it just, it's, and I hate to bring it down to like a level of like just fans. Cause like, it's so much bigger than that. Like we lost, like we, you know, you know, there, there's like he, his family lost him and that's super personal, but man, he meant so much to so many different people. And it does feel like that light has gone out. He, it feels like that. You can, we can pay respect to that in this next movie, but I don't, for as much as, for as much as I hope that this next movie is great, man, I, I can, man, I, I can't sit here and be like, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to, Jake, can we really say that we're ever going to fucking, you can't replace this guy. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit anybody. You know what I mean? No, no. It was it was perfect casting. It made even more apparent once we saw the movie. Um, yeah, it's no matter who they pick to take the mantle, it's it's never going to completely put a band aid on just the charisma and the performance of of, of Chadwick. I hate to be was, a fucking downer, and it's like 
I don't, and, and you know what? Like you've got people that are starting petitions on change.org to have somebody else play T'Challa. And I don't think that that's going to, that wouldn't fix it either. I don't think that there's anybody that you can get in there. I don't know, man. I really. <sighs> no, I think they made the right decision until we reboot the whole MCU. I don't think we should have someone else playing T'Challa. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, this, this is one of those cases where I think it's rare, but maybe the comics, don't show you the way forward. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you an example. And I'm not, this isn't like, let's pretend we're screenwriters, but how do you work your way out of this? The most appropriate way to do it might be to say that T'Challa died of cancer off screen and to show us how that loss feels to the cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that feels more real to me to say the, at the beginning of the movie to have the cast reacting to their king dying of a very real illness mm-hmm. than Namor's tidal wave, which just doesn't feel respectful of Chadwick's legacy. Yeah. I mean, start the movie with Shuri and Okoye and, uh, you know, Angela Bassett's character, whom I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but show us them mourn their king in the yeah. very real loss. And, to me, that feels so respectful of what Chadwick gave us. And it's okay for the movie to really lean into the emptiness and for the story to really be about that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's really – maybe this is just you start from scratch. You rewrite the whole story. Yeah. And, and you lean into the loss and you really just take some time to soak in the loss. I think that's the only way to do this, man. It's 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 because it's like how do you just dive into a – I don't know. Jake, how do you do this? How the fuck does Ryan Coogler write a movie where not only like people are expecting like – you know, them to honor Chadwick Boseman, honor what he did as the Black Panther. But then on the flip side, you've got to introduce a, uh, somebody else taking over, you know, the mantle of Black Panther and then also introduce a villain into this movie. Yeah, it's such a task. I like what yeah. Greg's saying, but like, how do you. It, I don't How do you make that movie? How do you. Greg, I love what you're saying. I just don't know if if you can get I, people to come to the theater. I don't know. I, I, I yeah. I, I mean, there is a power vacuum, uh, you know. When and that might be what the movies about. What, what would the real world response be if the most technically advanced nation on Earth that just came out of the shadows and was instrumental in stopping an alien invasion lost its king unexpectedly? Mm-hmm. Massive power vacuum. You'd have good and bad players trying to take advantage of the situation. I don't know. Maybe that's. I'm just. I'm all like. Well, we can do is guess. But yeah. these are the things that Ryan Coogler has to work his way through. And I think the smart money is probably on Shuri being the Black Panther. I also think this is totally unprecedented. And while you can look at the comics for guidance, they might just have to blaze their own trail. Maybe there is no Black Panther. Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just. The cast and you know Black Panther three is you know Wakanda triumphant or something. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't know. But if I if I had to if like right now, gun to the head, you're telling me like who's going to take over the mantle? I would go with Denai Guerrera, um, uh, Okoye. I think she's more ready yeah. from a story sense I than agree. than Shuri is. 
she feels like a better, more logical choice. Man, she fucking she was a badass as Michonne. Um, I think she could be a badass Black Panther too. I I buy her as Black Panther. I I, I still just kind of see Shuri as like, you know, the she was kind of like the tech sidekick, you know, in this kind of. In, in, in that first movie, maybe she was like Q almost. Yeah. Bond. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, as far like, if you're going to give me like a black Panther warrior and give me somebody with a warrior vibe, that's who I would go with was, would be a Okoye, who's like, like, you know, the leader of the, of the Dora Milaje. That's who I would go with for now. Yeah. And there's historical precedent to, you know, young, monarchs having kind of like that steward for lack i don't know what the right word is but that older figure who is there i i could see a couple movies of denai guerrera being black panther as shuri learns how to become queen but not queen and black panther at the same time yeah you know like i said it's unprecedented the story takes a path that is a different because it has to be different and you know that that feels like it could work again. The the question that you asked though, who's the villain? Man, I couldn't even begin to guess. Right? I yeah. Could, couldn't even begin to guess. Is it Namor? Is it Victor Von Doom? Is it the United States government? I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who do you introduce as the villain in this movie, where they've got so much to tackle as far as like how they're going to control this whole country that's mourning the loss of their king? I, I I mean, I don't know. I like what you're saying though. Like, there's like. You know, that's the perfect time to pounce, though. It really is. If you're a villain, it's like it's only logical that it's about seizing Wakanda. And and again, I don't think that's disrespectful of Chadwick's legacy. It's a it's a place the story almost has to go. Yeah. Um, So I'd be curious if that is something they they do. Dude, I think like like the perfect way to do this is like, uh, you know, like if, if they did pick a Koye to be the successor She's the one that would not think that she's deserving of it. You know what I mean? Which makes her fascinating in that right. role. Right. Yeah. 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 She's – yeah. She's, she, I, I'd love to see her. I, I, and I think I've always been a fan of Denai Guerrero. I still remember um, one of my favorite episodes of The Walking Dead. There was an episode where somebody puts a baby in Michonne's arms. And at that point, we don't know that – for sure that Michonne has lost a child in the, in the TV canon. We don't know that, but the way she reacted when she held that baby told us all we needed to know. I, right. I think Denai Guerrero is amazing. I, oh, I think she's yeah. really wonderful. And I'd love to see her headline a Marvel film. Maybe, I mean, maybe the movie is just about like, just this, this emotional movie about like who is going to be taking Wakanda into the next, you know, going forward. Who's gonna be, who's gonna be taking over the mantle? Maybe they can make that, maybe just make that just like an interesting movie. We don't, maybe we don't have to have like a villain in this movie. Maybe we don't have to have that in this movie. Yeah, that would be a very unique Marvel movie, but I agree. It, there's so much ground to cover even without dealing with the villain that it definitely could be done. Mm. I would love to see a conversation between whoever the new black panther is and sam wilson about complicated legacies yeah yeah i mean that's that's something that's gotta happen whether it's in this film or another just about what it's like to 
you know, and and I think for Sam, his whole point at the end of Cap, uh, Gal called Captain America and the Winter Soldier was it's not about living up to a legacy; it's about making your own, right? Yeah. But I think that's um, there's some interesting character meat that we've got to explore there. I still haven't been able to bring myself to watch the Black Panther movie again. I still haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. I, I you know, I've watched Chadwick Boseman. You know, after his passing, I've watched him in, uh, you know, the Netflix movie he did, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and, you know, that was tough. But, man, I, I'm glad I watched it, man. He was fucking amazing in that movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but, man, he was fucking incredible. And I, I do think that he should have uh, won the Oscar for that. I, I, and I watched The Father as well, and, 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 and fucking uh, um, Hopkins was amazing in that movie. But... Um, yeah, I think Bozeman should have won. Yeah, that that was such a weird way to end the Oscars to not do best picture last and then to kind of well, yeah, have that big disappointment at the end like that. Everybody thought that that's what they were doing, setting it up for Bozeman to win, and it didn't happen. So, yeah, and like the one guy that wasn't even there won. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of odd. Uh, the the oh I'm sorry Brian I was gonna say the one thing that really scares me, and I, I know this is still Disney but it's very different talent. This is Kevin Feige, Ryan Coogler, etc. They told us they were gonna be respectful of Carrie Fisher. I don't know that they were. They were. I, I'm just gonna say it. I don't think they they used reused footage out of context that felt not entirely. It felt creepy. It could have been worse, but it didn't feel good. And yeah. I just hope that they learned from that. Yeah, I mean, but they had the blessing of the family, too. You know, Billy yeah. Lord and, and Carrie Fisher's son and all that stuff. But, yeah, it didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. The intent work. might have been honorable, but the execution just didn't work. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I, I mean, I guess we got to trust Ryan Coogler to do the right thing here, right? Yeah, I, I think Ryan Coogler knows the pressure he's under and knows the job he has to do. And so I, I think he's going to be able to handle it. Yeah. He's no hack. Yeah. Oh, God. He, he's no. the best person alive to have to deal with this. I would challenge. be a lot more so. scared if it was a whole new creative team coming in here. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he'll be back for another a, a third Black Panther movie? I don't know. I, I think he might be here to give us the closure that we need because of what happened. And he's under he contract. Made. I mean, he was. I think he might step away after this one. He was under contract to do this one. I mean, like, and, but he was under contract, uh, and he thought he was working with Chadwick. We all thought he was going to be working with Chadwick for the second Black Panther I, movie. I have no idea if Ryan Coogler. I think Ryan Coogler should do whatever Ryan Coogler wants to do after this movie. However. If I'm if I'm Disney, give us a great Black Panther two, and then we're going to give you a Star Wars trilogy and do whatever the hell you want to do with it. I hope it's a great Black Panther two. I really do. I just feel like I'm going to go in that movie and cry the entire fucking time. Uh, I want. I, I need. I feel like we need to cry. We need to have a good cry in the first thirty minutes of that movie. Oh, I think that'll I, I, be easy to easy to do. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think the beginning of Endgame was very dour. Mm -hmm. You know, probably the first 40 minutes of that movie. So they could definitely get away with it. But I think we have to, fandom needs to feel the loss um, early on in that film. 
and see the characters grieve. I want, uh, I honestly, I, for as hard as this is and hard, uh, for hard as it is for fans, I want to get, I want a, uh, Chadwick Boseman documentary. I want something, I, I want a documentary that honors him. Not just, you know, like, I mean, yeah, he's, he's great in Black Panther, but I want a documentary that honors the life of the man. Yeah, I, I, I think that's well deserved too, and I, I think that'll happen. I hope so. I hope so. I really do. I really do. It's gonna be hard, it, man. It's, it's like, I, it's fucking hard. Like, I can't, I still can't believe it. I just, I still can't believe that, that, that we lost him. It's, it's still, it's, it's still almost, it's, it's almost surreal because it's like you watch those movies and he's just so, he's just so, like, his, his performance is amazing. He's, he feels like he's just so full of life and he's got so much to give as an actor and it's, it feels like this is like really cut short. It's like, it's like Heath Ledger all over again. But like, yeah, it's fucked up. <clears throat> I remember feeling nauseous. I'd never felt nauseous hearing about a celebrity pass before and I felt sick. Yeah. yeah. It was just devastating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to expect from Black Panther 2. I, I do not envy Ryan Coogler and what he's got to try to figure out with ba- this balancing act of like giving us a great Black Panther 2 movie and then on, th- on the flip side, like honoring the life, uh, in passing of Chadwick Boseman, you know, as the character in the movie, it's just like, this is just, this is unprecedented. Like, you know, like, you know, the, the way they handled Carrie Fisher was, was not great, but I mean, we got, we got, we got many movies with her, you know, a, a lot more than we got. I feel like with, you know, I know, I know Chadwick showed up in, in quite a few movies in, in the MCU, you know, civil war and then, the the uh, Infinity War and Endgame and stuff like that, but like he barely just got started, man. We barely scratched the surface with that actor and that character, man. He didn't even get the full sequel yet. Yeah, I think he would have been. Well, let me say this in a really thought, hopefully thoughtful way. He would have been a Christopher Reeve for a whole nother generation, and he kind of is, just not in the way any of us expected it. Yeah, yeah. And and that's, um, I think, what's so tough to process about Chadwick and what could have been and what is, but not, again, in such a shocking way, in such a shocking way. Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't be mad at the fans that wanted them to recast because like the character of T'Challa means so much to so many different people. Everybody feels, and I don't feel like the fans that like wanted to recast were like discounting what Chadwick Boseman did for the character. They just want to see this character that they love still be on the screen. You can't be mad at anybody in this in this instance, right? No, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's it's always so weird when a character doesn't die on film, but does die. Especially yeah. when they're such a main character, and and recasting kind of fixes those like that weirdness that we're going to have, no matter how they decide to deal with this. So I, I don't blame the people that want the recasting either. I mean, it's just. It's going to be awkward no matter what they do. I don't think there's any writer 
that could write this and have it not be just a little bit awkward with how they're dealing with just Chadwick not being there at yeah. all. Yeah. There was no foreshadowing to the character dying in any of the previous movies, so it's just going to be this crazy out-of-left-field thing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this is going to be the final thing that we're going to talk about, but um, it's uh, also in Marvel News. Andrew Garfield addresses the Spider-Man 3 rumors. Uh, this comes from Cinema Blend, and they said, Andrew Garfield addresses Spider-Man 3 rumors and fans won't be happy. I've actually got audio. I think this... I haven't even listened to this yet, so I'm going to listen to this with for the first time with you guys. This is Andrew Garfield, and who is he talking to? It's like a podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. Let me just play this. Hold on. There isn't anything to ruin, bro. I have to just quickly just cut you off. There's nothing to ruin. Really? Like, like it's so crazy to, is like, this just gotten out of hand. This is all bullshit. Okay, so then it goes on to say Andrew Garfield addresses the Spider-Man rumors, and oh, you got you have to watch the full interview on the Happy, Sad, Confused Patreon. No, oh, fuck you. Yeah, they they kind of fucked me on that. One. <laughs> oh, how much do they want? Is it six bucks like PCL? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've lost patrons because of my internet, they'll find out. They'll probably shift over to that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, we're not paying for PCL anymore. Might as well find out what Andrew Garfield is. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always a silver lining, guys. Greg, Greg, I'm going to be, sh- I'm going to be sending you an invoice at the end of this month. <laughs> just lost, just put, just put your logo and lost patrons in the amount that I owe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man uh, uh, hold on here's a quote there's nothing to ruin listen I can't speak for anything else but for myself like they might be doing something but I ain't got a call I did not get a call listen I would have gotten a call by now that's all I'm saying and that's the quote there by Andrew Garfield. I think he's full of shit. I think he's full of shit, too. And is this one of those, like, oh, well, they didn't call me, but they called my agent? Or he could just flat out be lying. I don't know if anyone's beyond lying these days just to keep a good secret. We've seen this before. Listen, they haven't officially announced any of these characters from the previous movies returning. Wow. So they sure as fuck wouldn't. I mean, the Alfred Molina thing wasn't really it's not an official announcement but alfred molina fucking confirmed that he's coming back for sure i'm not saying that that's not true but there's been the way they've handled it at least the movie studio is to not say shit yet which means he's not allowed to say shit yet so when asked about it he's got to be silent so i i don't think this disproves anything no i'm with you i'm with you i think i think he's fucking full of shit yeah I just hope that Toby and um, um, I, well, I, I hope that the whole gag of the movie is they just rag on Andrew Garfield for being the shittiest Spider-Man and that he's just so over the top and unbearable. That would be the greatest sort of running gag ever. What do you think, Jake? You think you looking forward to that? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I would rather the movie redeem Andrew Garfield. I don't. 
I don't yeah. want him to be like the toilet seat for the all the different <laughs> Spider Man. Like, I I get what you're saying, and that's and listen, I've done my fair share of ragging on Andrew Garfield so, so much that he that he unfollowed our podcast on Facebook, Jake. Did yeah. did you guys just see Mainstream by any chance? No, uh, the Mainstream movie that came out with him uh, hit theaters, but uh, none of the theaters near me were playing it. But it is not getting good reviews. If you loved him in uh, as Spider Man, you're really going to love him in Mainstream. Let me just tell you, Oof, I, that's a, a manic performance if there ever was one. Oh, where did you see it? Uh, it's rentable on Amazon. Really? Okay. Yeah, and let me just say really quickly, because I don't want to change topics, but Maya Hawke, absolutely delightful in this movie. She is a, just such a future star. She no is question. so fucking good, isn't she? She is She is a lockdown, no doubt, future superstar. 100%. Uh, wow. And part I, of what well, is really frustrating yeah. about the film is that she falls in love with Andrew Garfield's character, and there's absolutely <laughs> no reason to like him whatsoever in this film, even from the beginning. He's just kind of irritating in there, and she's so lovable, and you're kind of sitting there going, why? Why? Why him? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Jake, I'm with you. I hope that this redeems him. And I I, th- I think that, that Sony, that's what Sony's kind of like wanting to do. I think... In a way, I think Sony's seeing like what Marvel is doing with like even their series, dude. Like fucking uh, WandaVision makes it to where you kind of like want to go back and watch Age of Ultron again. You know? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I think same thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier. It makes you want to go back and watch those earlier appearances of those characters. And this could actually make people give a shit about the Amazing Spider-Man series. Yeah, which Sony still wants to continue to sell copies of. It's not <laughs> like they're not selling that on iTunes anymore. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the ultimate goal would be to bring it all together and let them have one giant Spider-Man box set that seems necessary. It's necessary that you watch these three Sam Raimi movies. It's necessary that you watch these other two, you know, Andrew Garfield movies. Yeah. Not just what they're... They don't want to be known for just what they did with the MCU. I think it's better for business to be... to have all of it matter. Yeah. I agree. My, my, you know, and I'll say it again, like, uh, what, what I always thought would be kind of interesting is, like, the fact that, like, in this last movie, you know, with uh, with Tom Holland's Peter Parker is the fact that, like, you know, like, you know, people think he's like this this killer, this cold blooded killer. And I, I always thought it would be kind of interesting if the if you introduce these two other, you know, Spider Men into the universe, older, aged, you know, I guess more seasoned Spider Men into this universe, and. uh they end up sending Tom Holland into the, like the Sony verse and Tobey Maguire is the one that sticks around to handle all the bullshit going on in the MCU. I, I don't know. I, you know, that would be wild, but I, I, I like where you're coming from with that. Yeah. I, as long as they don't put Tom Holland in a Philip Phillips montage. Cause I can't handle another one of those. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens with these movies. I, st- I, I'm calling Yeah. I'm definitely calling bullshit on Andrew Garfield. In these comments. Yeah, he's just better than like a Tom Holland or a Mark Ruffalo at, at holding the secret, I think, is all that's going on here. Yeah, I think he's good at holding the secret, too, because nobody's 
fucking signed up for Happy Sad Confused Podcasts Patreon. I, I bet they have a bigger Patreon than, than us, though. I, I I promise you, they do. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Andrew Garfield is a guest for fucking. Day. I know. We're, we could have got him if you didn't piss him off, Jake. I know. I, I I'm proud of that. I'm not going to be upset about that. <laughs> 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 My shining moments. He used to follow us on Facebook, Jake, and then you pissed him off. Yeah, I mean, he'll get over it. No, he won't. Get out of here. He will not. <laughs> what are they? I'm, I'm going to their Patreon. If he's ever ever at a con we go to, I'm going to get my picture with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, I'm Jake. I'm Jake for PCL, and I'm going to be recording that shit when he punches you in the face. Oh, that'll be awesome. He smacks you in the head with a skateboard. I will love it. <laughs> it hits me with a basketball from half court. If you do that, Jake, afterwards, I'm going to walk you right over to Rob Liefeld to have you get one with him, too. We're just oh, going to no. go one oh, and then no. the other. I don't I don't owe Rob Liefeld anything. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <sighs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Craig! You, you you got a lot better at the end there. Still some some guffaws, but it, it was way better. Oh, I'm glad. I just didn't I didn't know if my audio was cutting out or not, but I just had to kind of pretend it wasn't. Say, That's guys, you got to do it. Thanks for letting me come ruin the podcast. It's always a pleasure, you know. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. Tell me when you move, and we'll have you back. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll get an apartment or something. <laughs> What does that mean? I love it. <laughs> like, that's, just rent out an apartment separate for only when you record PCL. How long, in, do you, in another how, state. How long do you think I can sit in a Panera Bread before they ask me to leave? <laughs> I podcast there for six hours? <laughs> this guy's yeah. over here talking about his ball sack getting bitten. Yeah. He's talking he's about getting his... With dick stuff, like, in the first five minutes. I don't think long. He... <laughs> <laughs> This guy keeps talking about his dick getting bit by a chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> but he is eating the he is eating that fucking uh, that, that 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 broccoli soup that they have in that. Fucking... Yeah, I was gonna say I'd be on my fourth bread bowl of soup. <laughs> Your bread bowl five because I because I probably have to buy food to stay in there. That's fucking those Panera bread bread bowls, man. That's good shit. Who thought? Oh, who's the glutton that thought of that? They're like, who's <laughs> the fucking glutton that thought of a of a bread bowl? Who's that fucking piece of shit? They like, used to eat the whole bowl, though. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, you like soup? Have you ever thought about eating the bowl? You know what my favorite part <laughs> of the bread bowl is? You know that cylinder that comes out of the top? I like to rip just the soft bread out of that cylinder and eat that and then the top like the top cap of the loaf it's like a little scoop and then you can start scooping the soup out in that and eat that you're psychotic yeah it's no i'm not it's that's the way you eat it like i, I can't wait for the, the handy greg how do how do you eat a Reese's commercial <laughs> <laughs> well i just uh, this is not su- sh- a seamless self-promotion but my latest episode just dropped today, and it's uh, I wall mount a 32 inch HD TV in the kitchen for my wife. So yeah, how do people how, how do people listen to you without internet issues? Yeah, so I do have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg, and um, you know, I it's just what it sounds like. I do home repairs, things like that. But the, what's a little different about my channel is I don't actually know how to do any of this stuff. So you get to watch me kind of work my way through that. 
There you go. Check it out, everybody. And, and, yeah, and Greg's videos are hilarious. Well worth they are. They well are worth the watch. They're very funny. I yeah. They're very good. They're very good. And uh, you don't sound like a robot. So yeah. Thankfully not. Always a plus. All right. God damn it, Jake. What a week, huh? Yeah, shit. Time for another week off after this one. No shit. Oh my god. I almost I like this is like one of those where it's like I don't really, I don't I don't even want to announce it. Like we just don't ever come back. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I was thinking during the oh worst of this god. episode, like I can't wait to see the write up that Brian gives for this episode. Oh god. Oh god. It's gonna be nothing. Like 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 we talk about these movies, this and that's it. It's nothing. I'm not. I'm not. It's there's there's no, no cute little banter or anything. It's like this is like one of those episodes. I'm just gonna throw into the into the ether into the world and just set it and forget it. You know. It's like when you put a cherry bomb in a toilet at school. You just throw it in and run and run away. and just run. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People were like, oh, thank god PCL's, oh no. Don't, oh don't. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank god PCL's back. No, 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 no. I wonder who's gonna be more hated after this, me or Brian Pillman's second wife? Like, for just fucking shit up and being awful. Oh, man. Probably, probably you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least she can blame drugs, you know. Well, yeah, yeah I did not do any drugs tonight, <laughs> so I, I can't. I can't blame that. Yeah, oh, man. You know, a hundred percent of our listeners are going to listen to PCL, where as they won't watch Dark Side of the Rings. So, That's even true. They should. So I'll hold a unique position of hate in the community now that I didn't hold before for forever ruining the podcast. God, everyone wants to be the villain, Greg. Embrace it. Yeah. Is there like a bef- what? What episode number is this, Brian? Uh, three seventy nine. Is there like a before <laughs> three seventy nine and after three seventy nine now in the history of the show where this was just the moment where? Yeah, there's like a, there's like a BC and an AD. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like this is like there's like the. Before Greg, A H G. After B G, you guys waited one episode too long. Right, three seventy nine. Oh God, yeah, this is yeah. They're, they're, oh God, this is so bad, Jake. No, I usually I try to even just like bullshit some redemption at this point. I, I can't even muster it. Mm-hmm. I think it's top top fifty percent. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, yeah Greg, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm even surprised. I'm surprised that you were able to even fucking get that sentence out there without turning into a goddamn robot. I mean, you know, look, I I've listened to every episode of this podcast. I love it. The first two with that that other guy that's not a leftover anymore. Those those weren't as good as this one was. You know, oh, like the first two episodes. <laughs> he, he, he was, was on two. He was on for he like was? twenty episodes. Uh, well, see, I didn't even remember that, so they can't be as good as this one. No. Yeah. Fucking, this episode is brought to you by Skynet. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Dan has to, <laughs> Greg has to rip on Dan. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, 
I'm, just, I'm trying to point the attention anywhere other than me. You gotta go. You gotta go back fucking seven and a half years. Is there is there anyone else I can throw under this bus? Um, oh yeah, I'm sure there is. We, I don't know if I want to get into it right now, but you know. No, no, let's get into it. No. <laughs> Let me think. There was the one girl who kind of freaked out on that one episode, and then that's a legendary episode. That's like top twenty five percent. Yeah, at least she had a good internet connection. <laughs> yeah. That was the "You're Done, JJ" episode, right? Yeah. 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 Are you trying to even come close to comparing this to that? Well, no, I I didn't. I sort of was seeing it in a different light. If you were the host on that episode, it would have been like, you're (laughs) 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 Uh, the Mitchells versus the machines. It's more like PCL versus Greg's fucking Internet. (laughs) (laughs) And I tossed that. Oh man! All right, Greg. Thank you so much for sort of joining us this week. <laughs> yeah, I tr- I tried really hard. He and the fucked up thing, Jake, is he feels. It, and the fucked up thing is like Greg feels really bad, and he had no control over it. Oh, I, I know, I know. We make these jokes, and it, it makes me feel bad because I I know Greg is like beating himself up over it. He's yeah, not, like we've had guests on that. If this happened to, they just take a fuck you guys stance, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I, not really. You know, I have all my PCL gear. I'm like a little boy dressed up as Superman right now, and I got my super suit on. And you guys are my Superman. And I'm like, oh, there's Superman. And I'm like chasing Superman because I want to be just like him. And Superman takes off the roof of a building and flies away. And I jump and I just fall off that roof and just hit the pavement. Done. That was a great analogy, there, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> just like Superman. Just like just like <laughs> Superman. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, 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 Jake, let's put this episode. Let's put this episode out of its misery. What do you say? Oh please! <laughs> I don't think I've ever wanted to end an episode more. <laughs> Three hours ago, right? (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Before we go, I'm going to play the full version of the Sly and Family Stone. We're going to wrap on that. Okay, Jake? I'm I'm here for that. I was was upset when Greg came back during (laughs) Here's here's the full version. Here's the full version of my polite album for Sly and the Family Stone. Here we go. Top four times.
Funky man. I love it. My head is bopping. Me too. I'm bopping over here. Three years old. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Need a Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap! Podcast that original and good. 